Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fighting Films, the podcast where me and my two friends, or the three of us as it were, we are a unit, me, Jess, and Stefan, we take movies that we feel there's something alike about, whether it's they share a director or they seem to have ripped each other off and come out on the exact same year and you don't really know how that <laughs> happened, or just um, to us, there's some through line that ties them together. Before we get into exactly what movies we're talking about, which is an, another exciting week, um, Stefan, tell everybody, uh, you know, as the creator of this show, tell everybody who you are, buddy. Yeah, well, I'm Stefan. I'm uh, Scream Forever One on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's always exciting to do these. Awesome. And to round out the trio, we have our social media guru and um, the person that keeps all of our notes and everything in line, Jess. Say hi. <laughs> hey, everyone. My name is Jess. And when you get on social media, you're talking to me. Indeed. Thank um, God you're talking to her. <laughs> yes, th- yes, thank God you're talking to her because um, I don't even know how the internet works. And somehow I make like nine podcasts. What's the World Wide Web? <laughs> oh, you mean it's not just a keyword on America Online? Like, send me to internet. <laughs> um, Anyway, um, Stefan, what are we talking about this week? We're talking about The Watch and The World's End. Nice. And I had never seen The Watch, so this is a first-time viewing for me, which is great. I thought I thought I had seen it, but I remembered nothing about it. I think I might have been thinking about Paul. Ah, you know what? It's funny. I kept confusing this with Tower Heist. Is Ben Stiller also in that? that? Yes. Okay, that yeah. would be why. Because <laughs> I'm like, where's Eddie Murphy? Come watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Uh, Eddie Murphy is having quite a um, career resurgence. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, we, um, you know, as of recording this episode, have only released a few shows, and we have a Patreon, and Jess is going to tell you all about that. We do. We have a brand new Patreon with a few different tiers um, to go along with our fighting films theme. For $1 a month, we've got our featherweight tier, and you get a sneak peek into new shows and content. Now, for $5 a month, you can join our lightweight tier. Um, and you get, you know, a sneak peek into new shows and content, Patreon-only access to behind-the-scenes content, and a Patreon shout-out. And, bum-ba-bum, we have our very first welterweight subscriber, which Miss yeah. <laughs> Karen will not only get the access and content and a sneak peek and a shout-out, which she just got, she gets to choose an episode theme. Can't wait to see what it is. Right? I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome. And I'd like to throw in a reminder, and I'm going to try to do this every once in a while just to remind people that while you hear my voice and you might know who I am, being Chris Chipman, a.k.a. the Chippa, who makes other shows. What's up? I said Chippa. Chippa. Um, This show is in no way, shape, or form affiliated with my Patreon. Um, I am a co-host with Steph. In I, I just combined both of your names. I was gonna say Steph just <laughs> with Stefan and Jess. Um, yes, I'm like, you're, you're calling me Steph now with that level of close. Yes, hey, <laughs> hey, Steph. <laughs> um, no, but uh, that just makes me think of pretty and pink. Uh, 
There's a there's a character in it named and he goes by Steph. Mm. Oh, that's right. Oh man. Yeah. We gotta get some John Hughes into this thing, by the way. Yes, but, we do. Yeah, I might I might set those ones out. <laughs> not oh, really? really? No, oh. I'm not a fan of him. Oh, I think I think oh. we talked about this in a, in another show. Yeah, no, yeah. I, roll, rolling back. I was gonna say it, it's not affiliated with my Patreon. Um, you know, I am here to be a co-host, and it's wonderful to be a co-host on something with people that are putting in all the hard work. So when you sign up for the Patreon, it is helping this show. It's helping Stefan and Jess get their voices out there, and I am here to uh, also go along with that ride and help them out. Um, so you support this show when you support this Patreon. So thank you guys very much. And not only Patreon, but we do have regular social media. We do have a Facebook page under Fighting Films Podcast. We do have a brand new Instagram where we will be posting our coming soon posters and also extra photos that we might just toss up there of possibly movies we'll take a look at in the future. And we do have... Our Twitter under Fighting Films Podcast, where we do our weekly Twitter poll. We had a lot of votes this week. I'm really happy. We did. Can't, we can't, did. Wait. can't wait. I love your King Friday. Do, do, do. Or, or, um, <laughs> or uh, what was that face from um, yes, Nickelodeon? Nick <gasps> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. So with that. Guys, how are these movies alike? Like, why did we pick these two? Well, they they both uh, are uh, kind of like buddy comedies in, I guess you could say, small town. Yeah. Uh, small town. I was going to say small town America, but the world's end is not in America. Um, yeah, and small towns uh, with alien invasions. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And... um. I, I I was thinking I've never seen the film Attack the Block. Um, I it's very good. Shares an actor, right? Is he never... in that? Yeah, he he was. You've never heard of that, Jess? It's great. No. It's just so fun. I uh, I'd love to watch that and maybe do a uh, an extra content like tying that one in with these two, just because I imagine it's very similar, even though I've never seen it. Um, I. Uh... I suppose, yeah. I mean, I suppose it's, it's. I mean, I would do it. I'm saying, I suppose it is similar. It's not. It's not as funny. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm. I'm just. I was imagining because I'm like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. part of having never seen the watch. I think I had part of that movie in my head too. Mm. <laughs> so I'm like, then I'm watching it. I'm like, no, the watch and World's End are actually very similar. So this is this this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, yep. well then. That's why I put them together. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I'm going to ask them about Attack the Block because I don't know. I don't know if anyone has seen it. But, hey, folks listening, um, if you like Attack the Block and want to chime in on how you felt it would have paired against these two, go for it. Um, so with that, uh, you know, we're going to have The Watch start first. The Watch is the first film of these that came out. Um, again, they're just a year apart. So these are real close. Um, Jess, take it away. Alrighty, so as IMDb says, you know, The Watch came out in 2012, it is an R-rating comedy sci-fi, and uh, it, the plot on it, uh, the little blurb on it, um, says, four men who form a neighborhood watch group as a way to get out of their day-to-day family routines find themselves defending the Earth from an alien invasion. So, as, you know, as I chose, I 
you know, put these two together. Um, these are definitely both kind of surprise alien movies, is how mm-hmm. I like to put mm-hmm. it. Um, it. And this one stars Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, and Richard Aoide. Aoide? Um, I think you got it right the first time. I, I always flip-flop on him. I think that's right, though. Okay. Um, and... Actually, something I didn't know that I'm just seeing is uh, Seth Rogen was a writer on it. Um, yes. I was not aware of that. I can see that. But definitely, this is definitely a boys movie. Um, yeah. It's definitely got some raunch. It's, oh man, I, I'm not big into raunchy comedy, but it had me laughing hard. Like, it just, there's some pretty smart stuff in it. Now, I gotta first talk about this cast. Holy buckets. So, you've got these four. Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, and Richard Aoti. Um, who worked so well together and were absolutely ridiculous. Um, ben Stiller pretty much plays uh, the straight man. Um, he's, you know, he starts the neighborhood watch. He starts a bunch of like clubs and whatnot around his neighborhood. He likes to stay busy and he is the manager of the local Costco. Uh, Vince Vaughn is this over enthusiastic guy. He has the best of everything. He has to give everybody nicknames. It's pretty funny. Um, Jonah Hill is the authority. He, uh, he did not pass the police uh police test um any of them in fact and so he's the authority without authority his character was like oh oh, sorry yeah i thought of his character as like an alternate version of his character in 21 jump street yes yeah um i was actually gonna mention you know 21 jump street a little bit uh jonah hill had lost a big amount of weight and he looks really good um, he did a great job on it. Um, one thing I didn't like about 21 Jump Street is that they still make fat jokes at his expense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, can, do you have eyes? Can you see how far this guy came? Like, yeah, it's, losing it's, a bunch of weight is not easy. It's like they had the script written with him in mind, and then he lost the weight, and then they were just too lazy to dial it back. Yeah. I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's not Channing Tatum, but he still looks pretty damn good. Um, but continuing down the down the cast here, uh, Richard Aoti is kind of the outcast. He's proper and British and, you know, kind of new to the neighborhood. But I got to talk about these other, these other heavy hitter players. We've got Will Forte. Um, which, I mean, anybody would know that name from comedy. Uh, we do have Aaron Moriarty, who plays Starlight on The Boys right now. Yes. And I, her character is just so fun in this. We've got um, Arlie Ermy. We've got, you know, a whole number of uh, heavy hitter players um, and people that just uh, kind of show up. Which leads me to... That guy, my my uh, seeming to be weekly segment on the <laughs> that guy actors that I've found lurking in movies. So the first one that I mentioned is Arlie Ermy, and you would know him probably best from Full Metal Jacket as he's spitting out insults to everybody. Um, 
and you may or may not be aware that he wanted that uh, part in Full Metal Jacket so badly, he sat there and taped himself for, wasn't it like an hour? A full hour, and just spouted out insults up the top of his head without a break, without repeating any, and got the other actor that was uh, cast as uh, Gurney Sergeant Hartman um, got him kicked out, and Ermy got in there right away. Um, he's also known for Seven and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and yeah. unfortunately, we did lose him in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace, rest in power. Um, I was I was saying the other day when we watched this that my probably my favorite role of him though is uh, Saving Silverman. Oh my lordy! <laughs> I love that he took a role like that. I I. I like mad respect for him. Yeah, Ernie, I I've always appreciated him as an actor because he he seems to have a really good sense of humor about himself. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. He, he definitely plays it straight most of the time, but he has a really good sense of humor about himself. And uh, this, you know, this was his last film role, which is yeah, really it, it's always a good surprise when you see someone that is just comfortable to see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, as soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. He just, he rolled with being typecast. He was did. one of those yeah. guys. Yeah, I just didn't see, mind it. You ever see his show on Discovery Channel, Mail Call? No. no. He would take, um, he, he basically was out in the desert, and he'd take letters. He, he was playing his character from Full Metal Jacket, right, basically. And he'd take mm-hmm. letters with questions about military gear. And he'd do like a um, dirty jobs or how it's made kind of thing about it. Like this is, you know, a twenty-ton, you know, re- reciprocating <laughs> cannon. I'm gonna tell you how it works. <laughs> you sit there, you're like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Uh, Je- uh, just, just quickly to play off of your um, heavy hitters. Um, I don't know if you you had on your list, but the the director of this film is uh, strangely um, got quite a pedigree as well. I don't know oh, if yeah? He, yeah, um Akiva Schaefer, I don't know if either of you guys have ever heard of him, but he is one of the members of the Lonely Island, the uh, SNL digital shorts group. And he uh, um he directed this and um all of the SNL digital shorts, a bunch of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um he mm-hmm. also did a pop star Never Stop Never Stopping, which is a goddamn riot, if if which is also a Lonely Island thing. But he's also credited, and I just saw now, that's why I wanted to bring this up, that he is working on the Chippendale Rescue Rangers new thing they're doing. Sweet. I'm just seeing that now. <laughs> I didn't didn't mean to pull that away. I just like Akiva Schaefer, that name sounds familiar. And I just clicked just <laughs> No, it's all good. I'm glad that you did, because I was not aware of that name. Um, but I uh, actually, a friend of mine mentioned um, Lonely Island, and we will get to it a little later. Um, but my my second, that guy, is the creepy neighbor, uncredited Billy Crudup. Oh, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you, you definitely recognize his face. You definitely go, oh, that guy. But you know him from Almost Famous, Watchmen, Big Fish, The Good Shepherd. He's been in a bunch. Like, he has starred in some movies. Mm-hmm. So to see him as just kind of like the uh, creepy neighbor on the side um, is pretty funny. Like, you don't see him much, but he's there enough and he's definitely creepy. Now, my third that guy 
Um, you may or may not know the name Johnny Pemberton. Yay! Oh, you do know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's kind of like a dweeby guy. Um, he's definitely a really good character actor. Um, he's been in In the Loop, Ant-Man, 21 and 22 Jump Street. Um, he's been in a number of things, but the one close to my heart that I know him from is Superstore. So good. It's so hilarious. He plays Bo, like this idiot, um, uh, boyfriend of one of the characters and he just wants to party and do all this stuff and life is not very nice to him um and most people aren't either but uh one of his catchphrases is he tries to mimic like that club sound and he goes mama ma." I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yep, and me and my partner actually quote that a lot. We're like, ma ma ma. So love it. <laughs> yeah, um, those are my three that guy choices. Um, I had I had to pick three because they're that guy, you know. Um, now going into the movie, this takes place in Ohio. Nothing against Ohio. I personally am not a huge fan of Ohio, but, you know, it seemed like a very nice place. Um, we uh, open up on Evan. He's part of all these clubs, and uh, we learn he's the manager of a Costco. He's closing up for the night, and he meets his security guard, his nighttime security guard, who just became an American citizen, um, just got a brand-new tattoo that... Um, really still needs to be covered like it is still eating this is bad like i've been watching watching a lot of ink masters and i have a couple of tattoos myself but like if it's still bleeding it still needs to be covered it's not okay (laughs) um and so uh actually it's really funny evan um Ben Stiller's character says, you know, if a Coke and a bag of bugles go missing, you know, don't worry about it. It's on me. Antonio goes nuts. He, like, downs a liter of vodka and, like, um, brings a pallet jack over with a chair to set him up in front of the big TVs. And he's just being ridiculous. And the TVs start to go out. And uh, he gets up to check it out, and he steps into a puddle of green slime. (laughs) And literally the first time I watched this movie, I'm like, is this a Nickelodeon movie? Um, (laughs) Like, why else would there be green slime? Um, But shortly after that, uh, there's a murder in Costco, and we find out that Antonio has been skinned. Um... (laughs) When Evan goes in to work the next day, he finds this out. And so that night he goes to the local high school football game to do a big speech on how he's starting a neighborhood watch. And I just find it so funny that both Vince Vaughn's character, Bob, and Jonah Hill's character, um, Franklin, are sitting in the bleachers for this football game. I've I've never been I've never been to you know a town where football is everything. And that's but a lot of towns. I, yep. I yeah. you know I guess it's a thing. 
Um, so, you know, they show both those guys in the stands. They're like, yeah, I want to be part of that. Um, and so they show up for the neighborhood watch meeting. And also, just before they start, a very interesting British man shows up who is very proper. This is Richard Aod or Jamarcus. <laughs> Love him so much. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he's very proper. And he says he just got out of a divorce and is, you know, just wanting to be part of the community. Okay, no problem. <laughs> and so um, Evan starts to go into his spiel and Vince Vaughn, over-enthusiastic guy, was like, hey, we should go do this at my house because I have this amazing man cave that I built. And they do, and they, you know, they have beers, they play pool, there's a big screen TV, there's a guitar, there's the whole shebang. Like, this is a tricked-out man cave. Um, and that's where we meet Chelsea, who is Erin Moriarty. She plays Starlight. Um, she and her father have a very respectful yet loud relationship. Um, <laughs> I read it was... Um... Vince Vaughn was convinced to sign on to this film because he loved the relationship between his character and his daughter. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I learned that Vince Vaughn is from Minneapolis. Um, that was interesting to find out. Because mm. as I was watching this with my friend, my friend is kind of obsessed with people's heights. Yes. And there is, there is a bit of a height difference between Ben Stiller and Jonah Hill, and then Richard Aoti and Vince Vaughn. <laughs> between between um, this movie and Freaky, it was a reminder of how, like, because a lot of the a lot of times actors they they play around with heights, you know. To mm -hmm. this movie and um, uh, the other one, um, uh, Freaky, you know, didn't at all play around with making Vince Vaughn seem like a normal sized human being. Like Vince Vaughn is huge mm -hmm. and it, it worked yep. really well um, for freaky as well, because I never really peg Vince Vaughn as an assuming guy, but in this movie, <laughs> like walk, like when they do like the slow walk with like the four of them, it's like Vince Vaughn can throw down. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he just has that look about him. It's, yep. And it's that reason why I will say he was, so horribly miscast in Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Yeah, absolutely. He, he, yeah. Because he can definitely play the voice of mm -hmm. a wormy, like, um, awkward mm -hmm. guy. But his presence is controlling and assuming. You know yeah. what I mean? So it doesn't work in that respect. Yeah, it, it was just funny that um, both Ben Stiller and Jonah Hill are about 5'7". Yeah. Whereas Vince mm -hmm. Vaughn is 6'4", and Rich, Richard Aoti is 6'2". Yep. So there's a good, like, height difference between them. But I think they did really well in balancing it with the actors. Yes. Um, now, we do get to meet creepy, creepy neighbor Paul uh, later him. that night. He brings over a magazine that they dropped off at... Um, at his house instead of Evan's. And he, you know, compliments Evan 
and whatnot. He's noticed him jogging around, and he has nice skin. And, oh, is this house all yours? And, uh, um, you know, he's like, nope, I live there with my wife. And, uh, nope, just my female wife. And uh, makes makes a very, very straight point to mention that he is taken and straight. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, when Evan is all taken up, all his time is taken up by all these clubs and his wife is kind of set to the side, I would say. She's, she's a lonely housewife, more or less, which kind of sucks. But it definitely is, you know, a boys' movie. Um, so women don't have a lot of play in this one. Um, and then uh, Evan and the guys go on a stakeout. They're staking out Costco. And they get their first call that there's trouble at the football field. And so they go over there. And it turns out there's this punk kid who him and his friends start egging them. And there's a couple of egg puns, and it's pretty funny. Um, and this punk kid tries to take off, and Ben Stiller takes off after him, because he, you know, is head of the running club in the community. And, oh my gosh, watching that, I had flashbacks to um, Dodgeball. Yep. <laughs> and uh, Ben Stiller's character in that. But he booked it and tackled this kid Oh man, they uh they take the kid to this police station. The police don't give a shit at all. Um, they don't believe them, um, and they're not arresting this kid for egging somebody. So you know the guys go off on their way. The kid uh, skateboards out of the police uh, station and encounters some odd electrical situations and starts trying to get out of there on a skateboard but eventually gets taken down by a large lumbering being um now as the guys are driving around and on their way watching uh they hit something and um one of my favorite lines is oh there's beer and piss everywhere because <laughs> the guys are drinking in the car and of course uh, Bob has to go, and because men have outies and not innies, um, they are able to aim better, and he relieves himself in an empty can and sets it in a cup holder, and after this accident, there's beer and piss everywhere, which, quite honestly, I am not a beer connoisseur, and they smell kind of the same to me. Especially but... what they were drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that... That's just my opinion. <laughs> so they check out the car and they find more of this green slime and uh, tentacles. <laughs> and they can't figure out why there are tentacles. You know, maybe they hit a crate full of fresh octopus that has fallen <laughs> off a truck. Or, you know, worst case scenario, he hit a Asian guy crossing the street eating octopus sushi who knows jo jonah um, hill's ability to improv in scenes <laughs> like this 
mm-hmm. blows me away. Yeah. Yes. W- worst case. Worst case. <laughs> we we hit a guy <laughs> walking across the street eating sushi. <laughs> Yep, and this actually leads them to find a silver orb, which has some holes in it, and their very first thought is to stick the fingers in the holes. Of course, come over here and finger this thing with me. Finger these holes. Yep, and they start to get a handle for it um, in handling their silver ball, but uh, Mr. Ermy comes out and yells at them to get off his property. They're like, oh, we're Neighborhood Watch. He's like, I've got all the Neighborhood Watch I need with my shotgun. Get out of here. And um, so they take this silver orb down the road. And they all finger holes on the orb. Um, except there is one extra one. And... Uh, um, Jamarcus is sitting there saying, this is a bad idea. I don't think we should do this. We shouldn't be messing with this. You guys stop. And they're like, no, no, get your finger in here. Let's finger these holes. And he gets the last one in and a ray comes out and vaporizes this cow. <laughs> what? Whoa! And so, of course, boys, doing the boy thing, go and blow up some more shit. Of course, <laughs> this this one hundred percent makes sense. By the way, with, without without jumping ahead to what we know later, just mm-hmm. something to bring up. With what we find out later, does it only work because Jamarcus fingered it? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but that leads to a blow shit up montage. Love it. Blow up like three or four more things. <laughs> And eventually, you know, they get tired. It's late. It's time to go home. So, um, Bob, being the good dad that he is, is checking out his daughter's Facebook page and notices this guy that his daughter's up all on. And uh, so my note for that is douchey boyfriend is douche because he is. (laughs) Yep. He's just, he is gross. Um, They run into him later at Costco, and he's buying Magnum condoms, and Bob is like, you don't need those, your dick's not that big. And the other guys sitting with him are, well, sometimes they are. You know, that's why they make them. Ben Stiller, they're a big seller. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I love love that it's Costco, and I love that it is a pallet full of Magnum condoms. Yep. Full palette, you know, and this guy, like, grabs, like, two or three, like, 40-pack boxes. It's ridiculous. Um, And so, you know, we got to meet the douchey boyfriend. And um, later that night, uh, Evan gets a call from Mr. Ermy again saying, Are you guys on my roof jumping around? What are you doing? You know, I'm hearing stuff on my roof. And... Evan's like, oh, we'll be right there. And get there. Can't find Mr. Ermy. But there's an odd noise uh, in the bushes. And uh, he and Jamarcus go to check it out. And there's an odd creature with weird yellow eyes. Come to find out, it is one of the best-known actors that you have probably never seen, Mr. Doug Jones. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Like, this man is amazing. You've probably seen him and not even known it. He's been in Hocus Pocus as Billy. He was the creature in The Shape of Water. He's been in the Hellboy movies. He's been all over the place. He was in Pan's Labyrinth. Like, he is a heavy hitter in Hollywood. But you've probably never seen his face. <laughs> he is amazing at what he does, though. And I gotta so, say, for for a secret alien movie, um, the alien creature design is great. It is. Yeah. Oh, my word. Like, the aliens are really well made. They're fully covered. They've got, like, fully functional eyes, mouth, hands, the whole shebang. Like, Doug Jones is a very tall and slender man, and he does amazing in these costumes. Um, so they meet this alien, and Evan tries to befriend it, tries to give him some gum, and he's like, oh, you got something to show me? And the alien <laughs> flings out Manfred's skin. Just the skin. That's all. I, I wonder how many times in his life Arlie Ermey has been cast for a dead body. Do you know what I mean? Like, how many times has he had the uh, paper mache or you know, b- b- body body plastering <laughs> done because he seems to die in everything. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's like Sean Bean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't always die, as we saw in Flight Plan. True. 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 But he was an asshole there. Maybe should have. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, um, they. Then this alien, you know, knocks Ben Stiller out of the way, you know, comes up on um, Jamarcus and is kind of sizing him up, but doesn't knock him down or fight him or bite him or anything. He's just kind of checking him out. And all of a sudden, Evan comes up with a garden gnome and knocks the alien out. (laughs) The day is saved. The right. day is saved. He killed it. Um, they take they take it back to Bob's man cave because, of course, they do. And what do they do? They take photos. <laughs> they take a bunch of photos on a digital camera. Oh my! I I don't know. I haven't seen anybody use a digital camera in a while. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's amazing how that seemed like the um the future right for like you yeah. know they were and, and then like it's one of those things you're never sure what's gonna date a movie yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. like sometimes it's like you know like i don't really get too weirded out when someone pulls out a flip phone right that doesn't really mess <laughs> with my head you know what i mean because it's like all right it's a cell phone at least at least having a phone on you feels now ish but yeah. there's something about <laughs> A montage of taking photos with a digital camera. Like, it yeah. reminds me of The Hangover, where they're like, what happened last night? Let's go through this <laughs> film reel. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, yes. 
Yeah, and of course, Bob's supposed to have the best of everything, so he whips out this sleek black Nikon camera that's, you know, smaller than his hand, and they're just, they're taking all these pictures with the alien, and sunglasses on, and with cigars, and with a guitar, and in various sexual poses, because yeah, again, the alien's got a dress on at one point. <laughs> and a bra, and a wig, and yeah, it's, it's really silly, and this is definitely a guy movie um and so they start dancing with the alien and you know in in their inebriated state they're all dancing together and slow dancing and uh bob is getting a little too handsy with this alien (laughs) and making out with this alien and all of a sudden the alien comes to starts throwing them away from him and is trying to get out of there. He's fighting them, uh, running around the room, throwing things, basically destroying everything in this man cave, including, you know, the, what, $1,200 massage chair and the big screen TV and the beautiful, like, wood bar he put in and all of it. And at one point, Evan jumps on the alien's back. And they all come together and get the alien down. And the alien says, we are already among you. And throws him off and runs out the door with the silver orb. So, that that was just wild in and of itself. A whole huge fight scene with these inept guys who have no idea how to fight an alien. Um... Uh, Franklin, Jonah Hill's character, is throwing pool balls at him, billiard balls, and it's like, there's, they're not doing anything! And Bob says, you need to hit him with them. <laughs> so, after all this, um, Evan's neighbor comes talk to him and says, you know, I'm having a party later, and I've got some very interesting characters coming over. You should check it out. And they're like, oh my god, this guy's an alien. We gotta check it out. For sure. Interesting characters. He likes my skin. Like, this guy's definitely (laughs) an alien. And so, they're sitting outside the neighbor's house, um, and Jamarcus cracks open a beer. Because that's what they've done at every other stakeout. And the guys all look at him like, what? Cheers. Like, this is what we do, right? <laughs> and uh, Bob gets a call saying that his daughter wants to go to this party. And she's going. And it doesn't matter what you say. And so he splits off. You know, he and Franklin head over to this party to make sure his daughter's okay. And to make sure this douchey boyfriend isn't going to be there and all over her. And so, uh, Jamarcus and Evan are left at the neighbors, who sneaks up on them and surprises them. And brings them into the house. And walks them slowly downstairs. (laughs) With his hands on their shoulders, steering them where they need to go. He's got them in a pretty good grip, so they can't go too far forward without him. As soon as they step in the basement door, he deadbolts it. 
So, you know, it's something pretty secretive. They get to the bottom of the stairs. They step through this curtain. And it's an orgy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The polar polar opposite of what they thought they were walking into. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, Full-blown orgy. Um, They found out that when the neighbor bought, you know, armfuls of batteries, it's for all the sex toys at this orgy. (laughs) And I kind of have. Oh, I have expected him just to be a um, a uh, at home surgeon, like in nine one one. I thought about that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, no, he is an orgy. He is hosting it in his basement. Like, it's it's full blown, and we actually see. The boys of Lonely Island in a circle jerk. Yep. And at one point, they stop and they switch hands. That is Andy Samberg. Like, the whole shebang. Um, And they're just, they're talking about just different, you know, random things. They're not even talking about sexual things. Um, (laughs) So, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I, I laughed pretty hard. And my friend who was here, she was like, what?! A Lonely Island Circle Jerk! So, (laughs) it it was pretty funny. Um, So anyway, Bob and Franklin go off to this party to find his daughter. And uh, they are doing kind of a watch from afar. And they find his daughter Chelsea, and douchey boyfriend walks up to her, and she starts grinding on him. And he's like, oh yeah, you want this? You want all this? Who's your daddy? (laughs) And Bob goes, me, I'm her daddy. (laughs) And uh, Chelsea and Douchey go into the house and Bob and Franklin go in. And uh, Franklin is chatting up these twins as Bob heads upstairs to find his daughter. And Bob breaks into the master bedroom where his daughter is telling Douchey boyfriend, Uh. no. She is telling him, nope. Stop all of it. And he is not taking it. So yay. Go dad. And they head downstairs. And douchey boyfriend headbutts Bob. And then throws him through the front door. Like, this guy is so douchey. And so just gross. Like, I can't even. I can't even with him. So anyway, Bob takes his daughter home and uh, pulls into the driveway and Evan is sitting there and Evan starts freaking out. You totally ditched us. What is going on? And, you know, Bob's like, I had to go take care of my daughter. Like, my daughter was in trouble. And Evan, you know, Evan was like, you can't just ditch us like that. That's not something you can do. And they get into a fight about, you know, respecting your partners and, you know, understanding where um, priorities lie and things like that. And basically, Evan throws Bob out of the watch. And Bob is going to go start his own watch. And uh, Evan goes home to his board housewife who basically is only in the movie to get the point across that he needs to trust and communicate with his partners 
and Jamarcus shows up and says, oh, I need I need to show you something. You need to come with me. And Evan was like, no, I'm busy. And Jamarcus is like, no, you need to come now. So they all go to Bob's house again. And Jamarcus gets everybody in the room and cuts his hand open and he starts to bleed green. It turns out mm. Jamarcus is an alien. Um, bum, bum, basically, bum. <laughs> um, basically, he goes through a nice speech of, you know, we come to planets, destroy them and move on, you know, and Evan asked, you know, why, why are you here, you know, and, you know, where are your headquarters? And basically, under Costco, it's everything we need under one roof. <laughs> <laughs> Because of course great, great uh, advertising for Costco, by the way, in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's so funny. Every time they're in there and, you know, walking around stuff, like, there's the Kirkland brand everywhere. Literally everywhere. And it's just, it's so ridiculous. And so, you know, um, they asked Jamarcus why he's helping. And he's like, well, you know, the camaraderie and community... Um, you know, I really came to enjoy it. Plus, you know, I got my balls sucked at, you know, the orgy, and it was very eye-opening. <laughs> so anyway, they decide to head to Costco, and um, they stop by Franklin's house. He, he kicks in the door of his mother's house and walks into his room, flips the mattress up, and there's this arsenal of guns and knives and ammo and a couple porn mags and brass knuckles and it's like dang kid like you've been you've been stowing away for a while mm -hmm. like i'm glad you have that but dang and so on the way to costco evan being a straight man that he does he calls the local police and is like hey there's a real alien uh, um, alien abduct, alien, what is the word? Alien invasion happening right now. You know, you guys need to meet us at Costco. And, uh, Will, Ar not Will Arnett, um, Will Forte. Forte, thank you. Will Forte is like, yeah, right. And he's like, we won't be there. And so Franklin grabs the phone and is like, you're right. Evan is the Costco killer and he's bringing us to Costco to murder us. Help us. Ah! And hangs up. <laughs> and so they get to Costco and Evan's wife, who is tagging along because she's sick of sitting around at home, is like, that's, that's an alien in Costco. There's, there's really an alien there. And they're like, yes, we told you this. So they try to sneak up on the alien, and Will Forte and his cop partner show up, scare the alien away, only for it to come up behind Will Forte's partner and rip his heart out from his back. And at that point, Will Forte just loses it and starts cowering and freaks out about his partner dying. Um, 
so at this point, they head downstairs under Costco and are uh, approached by the douchey boyfriend. He is an alien. Who would have thought? And so Bob gets into a fight with douchey alien boyfriend and starts, you know, starts fighting him. But this guy's pretty big. And uh, he um, basically starts owning Vince Vaughn or uh, Bob. And he's like, just go on, guys. I got this. And so um, Evan's wife had stayed upstairs with the police officer because he got shot in part of the shootout earlier. Um, But Evan... Uh, Franklin, Evan and Franklin go on ahead and they start getting ambushed by aliens and they find this giant uh, transmitter and at the very top is their silver orb that they found and they shoot as many aliens as they can but as guns happen to do they run out of ammo all of a sudden, Stumpy starts shooting the aliens from behind them. It's Jamarcus to the rescue. Shooting them in the dick. Yep, <laughs> he's shooting the aliens in the dicks. Because that's where their brains are. <laughs> and I love the, <laughs> as is the case with all of us dudes, right? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just that, that was real. who is it that said that? Um, was it Vince Vaughn or Jonah Hill? <laughs> I think it was Jonah Hill because yeah. Vince Vaughn was back uh, was back with um, the douchey boyfriend. Why are and the dicks so... exploding? <laughs> and so um, Vince Vaughn is still trying to fight douchey boyfriend, and they radio each other on these. Pretty pink walkie-talkies, which pink is for anybody that likes it. Fuck um, yeah. And tell him that you can't shoot him. It won't hurt him. You gotta get him in the dick. That's where his brain is. So Vince Vaughn wriggles his hand up the guy's shorts, grabs his junk, and rips it off. Mm. And immediately douchebag boyfriend falls over and as Vince Vaughn stands up he goes magnum my ass I only needed one hand for that (laughs) 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 which I thought it was a really great line uh, to throw back and carry you know a joke through the entire movie Yep. Mm -hmm. so you know Bob runs in and um, Evan climbs up and grabs the uh, silver orb as the the uh, transistor is starting to go off and it sets off a whole nother horde of aliens coming in that haven't been shot in their dick brains and it releases or it um, ignites this shooting dicks action sequence and Jamarcus came to play I gotta say, mm-hmm. this guy, I don't know if Costco has, like, a secret armory that we didn't know about, or if he just hit up Franklin's house after they left, but he came prepared. 
he's got he had you know he started out with one gun and then he had two in his front waistband one in his back waistband like he he's not joking around and so you know they they get out of there they get back up to onto the main floor of Costco um you know, knock a refrigerator off, which kind of stops the aliens, but eventually enough of them get there and throw a refrigerator, throw the refrigerator off of the, uh, the opening and they hit a button on their way out and they have to do this baseball slide out of this closing garage door because of course they do. And they get far enough away and they finger all the holes and blow up Costco. Thus blowing up all of the aliens inside, dicks included, and saving the day. Yeah. And so at the end, there's a lovely reunion between Evan and his wife. And Franklin becomes a cop. And Bob, I'm sure, gets his man cave back. And Jamarcus attends another orgy. Complete mm-hmm. with Magnum condoms. Yes. And Evan also, uh, Evan and his wife adopted a daughter. Yes. Just that was a nice touch. Throughout the movie, there is a subplot where um, we find out Evan is shooting blanks and his wife keeps, you know, trying different ovulation tests and they're trying to get pregnant. And Evan basically goes and tells Bob that, you know, I can't, I'm shooting blanks. I can't do it. I'm sterile. And, you know, eventually as part of the um, the part where he learns to trust and communicate with his partners, he uh, tells the truth to his wife. And in the end, they wind up adopting a very cute little girl. Mm-hmm. I got to so, say, I, I, I love the um, that the wife just accepts that and is like, we're going to work through that instead of like the normal... Um, well, the guy, you know, thinks that his wife's going to react badly and then she just leaves him or something trope mm-hmm. that they usually use. It was very realistic and strangely painted her in a good light, which I didn't expect a movie that was a man's club movie, as you put it, to have. And I like that she got to tag along for the ending action sequence there and kind of yes. yeah. kind of be a, be a character there. Because it was a little jarring when you're like, I get it that like this neighborhood watch thing is like bowling night for them. But it's yeah. like it's kind of like with the with the peanuts and the parents, and you're sitting there going, "Where are these men's wives?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, like why why aren't they here? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So that was. What was Thank that? You. Uh, sorry. Hold on. I think that might be me. You're you're back. What? Yeah, you're definitely back. It sounded like someone shut a giant refrigerator door. Oh, I didn't hear that. I just, you kind of cut out for a like second. A boom! Oh, <laughs> no, I didn't hear Jesus. that. Oh, you I sound thought, perfect. You're cool. Like, I thought an ad came on. Um, so anyway, that was The Watch, and I really enjoy it as, like, just one of those ridiculous, over-the-top m- movies that, you know, has some smart raunchy comedy in it that's just really funny and don't try to read into it just you know take it for face value and uh you should enjoy it yeah i agree i i actually enjoy it a lot more 
um, talking it out with you guys than I did watching it the first time. I feel because the first time was yesterday. I feel <laughs> like um, I feel like in 2012 I would have been rolling over on the floor over this movie, and I don't know if it's just being detached from the time, but watching it last night, the note that I wrote down was like, I feel like I'm watching the unrated DVD version of a movie that was PG 13 in the theater. (laughs) And, and what I mean by that is the, the, the gross out humor seemed like it didn't fit when I was Mm -hmm. watching it. And I do still kind of feel that way, but these guys are so goddamn funny that it, it makes it all kind of land, you know, like, I, one one of the jokes that just I, I get it, but like the the sequence with the alien blood feeling like jizz, it's like this is a, it's funny, but it's like right. okay, we can stop repeating this joke now, guys. Like I I get it, it's really funny to hear Vince Vaughn say "come," like <laughs> but uh, but no, I I you know listening to you talk it out, um, it's interesting. A, a fact that I always thought was interesting about this movie that I um read about yesterday was the movie wasn't originally called the watch. Yeah. You know this? Yeah, I I do. It was neighborhood watch and they changed the title to the watch. Um, after the Trayvon Martin shooting, because he had been shot by a, um, guy who was, you know, a over glorified neighborhood watch member who thought he was doing great. And they didn't want to be tied in with that at all. Um, which good call. Yeah. Yeah. And they were and they were going to um, advertise it originally more as like a neighborhood watch movie and have the alien plot line be more of a surprise, but they obviously ditched that after yeah. Trayvon Martin. I gotta say too, it, it definitely has the 2012 feeling of a movie that's trying to be progressive in its humor. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, Ben Stiller, you know, comes off as like, they definitely paint him as the suburban, you know, white guy that doesn't know any better, you know, yeah. the, uh, but they quickly throw those jokes out. I was wondering if they were going to do a learning thing, but you know, the beginning of I'm looking to get that one black friend, you know, yeah. and then Richard Iote mm-hmm. shows up and it's like, it's, it's so perfect that it's you. And I'm like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this humor is not landing. Please stop this joke right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know. they they didn't really push it with that. Like they, they and I'm glad they really only uh, seemed to talk about race in like the very beginning. Yes, um, he didn't go. Mm-hmm. Oh, my one black friend! I can check it off my bingo card. Yes. No, like yes. I, it's just at the beginning. Um, I one of the things I really like about this movie is despite the fact that. Um, I don't know how old Richard Aote is, but Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn are at least in their 40s. Um, and I, I gotta say, it's it's a little refreshing to see that they can revert back to, you know, regular boy stuff, blowing shit up and making yes. mm-hmm. sexual jokes and things like that. So, like, me and my friend were sitting downstairs, and, like, while they're having that blowing shit up montage, we're just sitting there like, they're such guys. They're such boys. <laughs> like, my friend was like, whose stuff is that? Like, right? don't, they, don't they care that they're blowing up somebody else's stuff? Fuck no, they're blowing shit up. It's awesome. So... <laughs> 
Exactly. And, yeah, and so I like that nothing comes from that scene. It's just, yeah, yeah we're just going to do that. We're um, just going to blow up a cow in a barn and a truck and whatever. Richard Aote is actually 43 years old. Um, okay. He doesn't seem it. He seems very young. Um, well, I know Jonah Hill. 37. Really? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. He did not look it. No, and, and when they made this movie, um, God, now that's, what, eight years ago, nine years ago, right? So, yeah, they Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn are 50 and 55 this year. So oh, wow. They were in their mid-40s. You you were right. Yeah. Um, it's just wild. Um, Stefan, what are your thoughts on the watch? I mean, you know, it's... Um... Definitely has its funny moments. Uh, I've never been a fan of like really pervasive bro humor. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, it like yeah. I mean, the the, the alien plotline was great. I thought. Yeah, it um, I, it it was its best when it was doing that, and um, when they were uh, just getting to improv and have fun. I, you know, the the Seth Rogen and um, what's his name, Evan. Evan Goldberg, I believe in his name is they're, they're the writing partners. They're the ones that did, um, you know, this is the end and neighbors and all those. Um, you can definitely tell when it's them, when it's the rewrites, because it's when yeah. that like bro humor, like really dives in, but when it's just Vaughn and, and Stiller and Iote and Jonah Hill, just goofing on each other. <laughs> the movie is just perfect. You know? Yeah. Uh, we watched the gag reel afterwards and there's, definitely some problematic stuff that's really good it did not make it into the movie yeah but uh (laughs) overall it's still pretty good so what about Uh, mvps i was just about to say my mvp for this movie has got to be richard aod like um i i don't know how many movies he's really done but um i know he was on the It crowd, the IT crowd. The IT crowd, it's so good. Yeah. He's the best part of that show, too. Yep. And uh, this was actually my first introduction to him. And uh, I just, I thought he was so hilarious and he was so funny. And, well, they're the same thing. But um, I just thought he was a really fantastic addition. And he fits in just enough that they accept him, but he, you know, stands out just enough to be awkward. So it just, it's really great. Stefan, what about you? I would say uh, my MVP, I was going to go one way, but since we talk about, you know, how great and understanding uh, his wife, Abby was, or I'm going to call her uh, not Jennifer Garner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought she looked like her. It was the, the hair for sure. Yeah. She had Jennifer Garner's hair. And um, yeah, you know, it was just, you know, sweet to have her, you know, take part in the end. And, you know, she was kind of, I mean, she was obviously absent for most of the movie being in New York. But um, but then, you know, to have her come back and, you know, in the end, just accept him like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's fine. Well, you know. Adopt and thank thank God you know for couples who adopt it's like you know seriously yeah, yeah I really wish more people would yes especially you know, if you if you can't you know it's like yeah just share share your you know good parenting if you are I I have yeah. several friends um who have had children and have adopted mm-hmm. you know what I mean that like have it mixed and yeah um, a really good um 
friends of ours are actually um they had they brought an exchange student over from oh I'm gonna get this wrong, the Ukraine. And their whole family fell in love with her and so they're adopting her. And you know, they, during COVID, mm-hmm. right? So like they've been flying back and forth and doing like the waiting for two weeks over there to meet and do all the court case stuff and all that. It's they did a GoFundMe to raise the money to help do it and it's just wonderful. Oh good. Yeah, I, find, I have I find a, that stuff great. Yeah, I do too. I have a cousin who was uh who was adopted from Korea. He's he's now a police officer in Washington state. Um and you know, he's had a pretty great life. That's awesome. Yeah. It's just so much so much good can be done um by doing very little. You know what I mean? Like just by saying, "Hey, I have a lot of love and shelter and support to give and uh, you know, you can't have a child yourself. Oh, look at this. I can give this kid a good lease on life. It's just an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um wow. Stuff got heavy and real and I love it. Um <laughs> My, my MVP is definitely Richard Iote, but I also wanted to say, um, for the movie not having a toxic depi- depiction of a dad and daughter relationship, I was worried with Vince Vaughn that it was going to be his normal, like, overbearing man-child dad gag, and there's definitely mm-hmm. that there, but mm-hmm. he ends up being a really good dad, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, and I, and I thought that was, like, he actually is looking out for her, and he's not abusive, and... Yeah. He um he, and I love that the the thing at the end is it true that your dad ripped your last boyfriend's dick off? Yeah, you, you got to watch out yep. for him. You know, <laughs> like, it's, just, it's it's such a good. And then he's like, oh, why don't you have a room at midnight? I was thinking ten thirty, sir. No, d- live a little, have some fun. Midnight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Blow me in the driveway? Yeah. What no. are you gonna do? Blow me in the driveway here, Jesus? <laughs> that that was a great moment. Yeah, like if you can get past the yelling, like it's really funny. Like mm-hmm. they actually have a really good um, relationship, like uh, the point where he, you know, breaks into or, you know, stomps into his daughter's room and is like, who's this Jason guy all over your page? And she's like, are you cyber stalking me? And like they they go back and forth and I'm trying to find the actual quote here. But like at the end, like. They're just like, okay, yeah, this was really constructive. Okay, yeah, thanks. Like, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> it reminded me of the good, good, good talk, Russ. Good talk, Dad from Vacation, yep. where it's like, oh wait, they, they actually, it was actually a good moment, and they just can't bring themselves to to not still be a little angry. Yep. But but it's like, but it's like angry from a, uh, you know, we're supposed to be the, uh, the daughter's supposed to hate her dad, and the dad's supposed to be loud and overbearing, but they're in agreement, and it was yeah. really weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it was, it was great. Like, they have a really great relationship. And, like, you know, I love that she wasn't even, like, mad at her dad for showing up. Because it was just the perfect time for him to show up. Yep. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, instead of being mad about it, she's like, okay, let's go. Exactly. Sweet. Well, um, what does that bring us to? That brings us to... Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes score, yeah. Sure. So uh, the critical score for the watch is a really low 16%. Yeah. I'm the not audience, sure who they were angry at that day, I, you know? 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, it it's not it's not a great movie, but it should be no. at least. So the the audience score is thirty nine percent. It should be like at least that. Yeah, I was gonna say I, this this movie is better made than a lot of movies like it. Oh yeah, it's disjointed and kind of all over the place, but it's still funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds. It's like the Anchorman movies and Step Brothers and all that. It's like a whole bunch of ideas that kind of came in together as one kind of and worked. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is like a 40, 50% critic. And I, I'd say I'd like mm-hmm. the audience score should be more like a 60. You know, that's where I'd put it. Yeah. To be. It would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not, it's not bad and it's not great. It's just kind of fun. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. It's and, fun. And it's a showcase for the actors, you know, yeah. like that, they're, they're a goddamn riot, particularly yeah. Jonah Hill and Richard Iote. And, I'm just glad to see another thing with Vince Vaughn that's really good because I had kind of forgotten about him. And um, I, I love yeah. Vince Vaughn so much. Like I think he is so fucking funny, and to see him as this overly enthusiastic guy giving people nicknames like there's a gag where they first meet at evan's house where he picks up this russian nesting doll <laughs> I <laughs> love my that part. favorite thing in the whole and, and right? there's another one there's another one how far how long does this go yeah and like it Everybody knows Russian nesting dolls. Like, we know what's going to happen. I get it. But just his over-enthusiasm about it is so fucking funny. What? No, don't tell me this opens. There's another one! Like, it's just... Like, it's... I don't know, like... Again, you have to take it for face value. Because if you look any deeper, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's it's not a movie to be analyzed like a film. It's did it make no. you laugh? Yes, it made me laugh. The alien design was awesome, almost too awesome for the movie that it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, it was um, really good, and it was so good. I wanted to see more of it because it was it was scary. And Jones is just such a great performer. Yeah, like it, you know. It, it just made it a lot of fun. I um, it, it's just a blast. Um, I noticed here the the um, IMDb is a five point seven, which falls a lot more in line with how I thought the Rotten Tomatoes would go. It's like that fifty mm-hmm. sixty percent range. So interesting. And so that brings us to our next contender in this week's fighting films. And I'd like to remind everybody that we too, at one point in time, were a five piece, but we lost two so we could be the three musketeers. Yeah. The third <laughs> rights Cornetto trilogy is up next on the docket. Stefan, tell us all about the world's end. Well, wasn't it wasn't at four musketeers. One later joined the, when, when my sister and I, uh, first saw the Disney movie in the 90s that confused us. We're like, wait, Three Musketeers? Why is Chris O'Donnell a part of it? They're four? Like, what? That conf- my, our godmother had to uh, set it straight. Who cares? <laughs> He's hot. Right. Um, <laughs> anyway, so The World's End uh, was released in August. Well, I mean, uh, throughout 2013 around the world, obviously, Britain got it first, you know, being a, a British film. And uh, it's about, so our protagonist is Gary King, who's uh, a 40-year-old alcoholic, kind of, you know, living out his glory days. And he tracks down his four best friends from school. I guess they uh, 
uh, I was want to say they call it you know university in the UK, but they were in high school still. <laughs> yeah, I kept doing this correct. Correct too. us, please. Correct us. Um, yeah, so his uh, his four best friends from childhood were Andy Knightley, played by Nick Frost. Stephen Prince, played by Patty Constantine. Oliver Oman Chamberlain, he's called Oman because he has the birthmark that they said looks like a six, but looks like an O from what you can see on the hairline, uh, which, which comes into play later on. Played by Martin Freeman. And then Peter play, Page, played by Eddie Marsan. And, uh, yeah, so, so he is, uh, we start out with seeing a flashback to them as... Uh, kids on their last day of school and they're doing the golden mile which is in a uh, pub crawl in their town of uh in in their in in their hometown of newton haven britain or england i'm saying that right newton haven i think so okay yeah i said it right in the last week so just edit in or edit it out whatever and uh so they uh uh, they attempt on their last night of school or after graduation to do the Golden Mile, which is a uh, 12, 12 pubs. In one night. In one night, yeah. The pub crawl in one night, culminating at the world's end. And they unfortunately do not make it. They only make it to nine before uh, having to call it a night early. And so Gary, uh, it starts out with him in what looks like a grief support group. And he realizes that, you know, he was happy. The last time he was happy was when he did that with his friends. So he tracks them all down and says, you know, we have to do this again. Or we have, we have to, not again, we have to complete this finally. And uh, Gary is just such, he's like, uh, he's... I want to call him a kid at heart, but usually kids at heart are responsible. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. With him, he just... He plays all the angles to make his friends do this. And most of them are just pushovers. Like, come Mm -hmm. on, you know, just come on out. But when he goes up to meet Andy, Andy doesn't want anything to do with him. You know, um... Yep. Basically, uh, Gary says, you know, oh, I want to do this. My mom just died and this whole big thing. And uh, um, Andy's like, nope, nope. And he can't make me. I haven't drank in 16 years. This isn't happening. And Gary pays back the money he owes him and goes to walk away and says, well, I'll be at, you know, the train station at this time. And we find out later how he got the money to pay him back. <laughs> mm-hmm. that was funny that was funny and um so so then uh he like i said tracks them all down and they all are uh successful professionals at least on the outside and many of them are married as well mm-hmm. uh yep and so they uh uh they they get some they gets them to go and they meet at the train station and I uh, picks them up in his same car, which was Peter's old car. He sold it to him. Yeah. And this red old beat up car from <laughs> like what the eighties. 
Yeah. It would have been, yeah, 20, 23 years before. So, yeah. Yeah, about wow. 19, 19, 1990. We're I love, in the 80s, but yeah. I love how everybody knows Gary King. And not, not just in the movie, I mean in real life, right? Like, the minute mm-hmm. I see that character, and be it be it Britain, be it America, be it Ireland, be it, you know, when, when you see the character that Simon Pegg embodied in this with the trench coat and the way that he dressed and the way that he walked in the car, it's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah he's, he's that friend. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. I, I love the line with the car because they go, oh, this is the same tape you used to listen to with this car where your friends, yeah, where'd you find it? Oh, it it, it was right there in the deck, wasn't it? <laughs> Just like, right. wait a minute, what? Right. <laughs> yeah, I, um, uh, Kyle and I had a former friend when we were growing up that was like, that was and is still very much like a Gary King. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not friends with him, largely for that reason. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those guys are trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I generally believe that nobody grows up at heart but you know you can you can be a kid at heart and still be responsible. Yeah. Well, as well. The the important thing, and they even mention it early on here, but um, I want to allude to exactly what goes down because I know you'll get to it. But the important thing here that I like about this mix is the other guys that aren't Andy react to Gary in sort of like a oh he's just our little like friend our little project and yeah. oh gary wants us to hang out again it'll be fine but right. andy was oh, actually andy was actually hurt by him and yeah. this is the this is the real world thing that we got to deal with where you watch people who make the excuse for people of oh it's fine no one got hurt but what if they yeah. did <laughs> yeah you know and yeah. i that like shook me to my core in this just was like, yeah. Oh yeah. This is the what if situation. Yep. And we find out that, yeah, the reason that Andy is now sober is that he, uh, Gary. So he tried to drive Gary to the hospital when they were younger, he OD'd and he himself was drunk and he flipped their car and severed his feminal artery. And, uh, yeah, that's why he doesn't drink anymore and wanted nothing to do with Gary. And really, you see you see throughout the movie that everyone really, really doesn't like Gary outside okay. of the friends group. Hold on. Rewind. That's not the whole story. Right. Like, he was he was driving Gary to the hospital because Gary was so hurt and he was drunk and they flipped the car and Andy got really hurt and Gary just jumped up and ran off. Yep. Okay. That's yeah, what makes it right. even worse. Yeah. No, but yeah, you, being, you did get it right, though. Shit friend that he is, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just this extra little no, yeah. butt at the end that left him to comes suffer. Into play right. Later again, and uh, it it shows us that Gary King has not grown up and he has not changed mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, and he only looks out for Gary King. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, we all we all have a friend like that. Hopefully, we're not friends with them anymore. They're driving out in Gary's car, and it's that old beat up black jalopy that he he used to drive. And you know, it's the the quintessential stuff all of your friends into a car and drive off and get into trouble um, kind of situation. I have many many memories of 
my group of friends and you get picked up by the guy and you go, oh, God, this car is being driven by the person who's the most sober. That's not going to be a good start. for the right. yeah. And someone has a switchblade and so it's just bad news. But that's what this reminds me of. But um, the, the sign for the UK's first roundabout circa 1909 is yep. really damn funny. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, is, uh, you know, it always makes me think about Christmas uh, vacation. Um, the joke where I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but not only are the Griswolds in the UK for the first time and driving in reverse, but they can't get out of the roundabout because yeah. I guess I guess in the 80s and 70s in the Chicago area they didn't have a lot of them, um, and so I, I always didn't get that joke really because I go I drive in rotaries all the time. In New England, they're everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then, the, and then I never heard them referred to as roundabouts cause we call them rotaries on all the oh, signs, okay. but then I got a mm. GPS and they were like, enter roundabout. I'm like, what the hell is a roundabout? <laughs> we, we call we call them roundabouts here. Yeah. That, that's what they call them in the rest of the country. I found out. <laughs> yep. We are entering the first pub on the pub crawl, the first post. Um, very, very nicely called. Um, I love how these 12 pubs guys always have something in the name that alludes to what's going on in, yes. uh, in the situation. Um, yes. this is, this is one of the brilliances of Edgar Wright, you know, as, as, as a writer and a filmmaker of just like layers upon layers. I also think, um, if I'm not mistaken, that there's a number usually shown in the shot when they first walk in that alludes to what number pub they're in. Oh, I didn't even realize that. I didn't notice um, that. Yeah, and, that, and and I went back and checked, and I'm pretty sure I didn't catch all of them, but I'm sure they're there. But it reminds me of what he did in Scott Pilgrim versus the World, where um, each evil X, there was always a shirt or a sign to yeah. show you which X number it was. Mm-hmm. I know the that. guys, the guys, just under control, man. But uh, you know, the first post. Now, uh, someone that remembers this a bit more, the let's boo boo gag. I always end up laughing so much that I always forget exactly what was going on with that. Do one of you guys want to allude to the let's boo boo gag because it's hilarious? Um. So actually, I do have it pulled up here, and uh, so Gary goes, "Drink up, let's boo boo," and Stephen. Uh, Prince goes, boo-boo, what is that? And Gary King goes, you remember, let's boo-boo, you know, from Mr. Shepard's classroom. It sat on the wall, exit, pursued by a bear. You know, from that Shakespeare play. And Stephen says, A Winter's Tale. And Gary goes, yeah, what was it called? And Stephen goes, A Winter's Tale. And Gary, (laughs) Gary goes, that's it. And if we needed to make a quick getaway, we'd say, exit, pursued by a bear. And then it was, exit, pursued by Yogi Bear. And then it was just, let's Yogi and Boo Boo. And then, let's Boo Boo. And Steven says, so you're saying we should go? And Gary says, yeah, shitty here, isn't it? <laughs> That's great, Jess. Thank you for recounting. It's so good. I, I knew one of you was going to have it either written down or memorized because it is fantastic. And... Another thing, um, you know, as we start getting into the the pubs and the it's shitty here, you know, they make a comment even in this first one when they walk in about how corporate it looks. And I went to England long about a year or two after seeing this movie for the first time. And um, I didn't realize that not only is that a gag about the inevitable invasion of aliens that is going on in this film but it's also a gag about what's happening in britain because you go into all of these old pubs and it's funny there's like five companies that own all of them 
And I didn't wow. know that. And I, and I was talking to people and I'm like, this is really nice. What they do is instead of like here where they'd like all become, you know, a margaritas or a British beer company or an Applebee's, you know, or whatever, they let them keep what they were. They just tweak the signage a little bit and make sure all the chalkboards are the same and make sure all the pulls are all looking as like, but they let them keep their owner and the people that work there and everyone that everybody likes. Oh, uh, something. Like well, that's Ace really nice. Yeah. So like Rockies, Ace Hardware, you know. Um so <laughs> that's that's also him kind of winking to that weird thing going on in Britain where all the cool old stuff is kind of new and corporate and crappy. So enjoy. <laughs> so we leave the shitty first post <laughs> in all of its corporateness and end up at the old familiar. And the old familiar would be alluding to we meet Sam here. I thought it was also that um, the interior was yes. exactly the same as the first post. And that is both. Yeah, that too. Fantastic. Yeah, no, you're, yeah. you're, you're right. Um, when I first saw this, I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, did my DVD glitch or something? What, what is this? Makes it funny. Who wants to um, allude to what, what's going on with Sam? So Sam is uh, Oliver's sister, played by Ro- Rosamund Pike. Rosamund, Rosamund, I'm... I'm yeah, I never got yeah. Right, who... My sister says people tell her that she looks like her. I don't really see it, but whatever. Um, and so uh, she is Oliver's sister, and she also joined the five of them on the their pub crawl 23 years ago and she and Gary uh, hooked up uh, in, in the disables. In the disables. Oh uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> they bring that up all the time. Oh, oh Britain. Britain. I, mean, I know. I mean, to be fair, the day, the disables are a bit larger to accommodate a couple of people. Oh, yeah. It is true. It's just <laughs> it, British. British slang always has a bit of a. Huh, that seems a few, but a few more years behind our progressiveness, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is kind of ironic when you think about it. For everything it. else, yeah, yeah. When I um, uh, when I worked at the uh, nightclub in Duluth, we always had to like not like people were having sex in there. At least not that I saw. But you know, we would be like, yeah, you can't. There can't be two people in a stall at once. You know, might have been yeah. like drug trades going on. It's like ugh, you know. What, you mean yeah. it's not the 90s bar club scene from Basic Instinct? Right, right. <laughs> I was thinking if you actually had to go to the bathroom, like, what would you do? Like, come on. Go. Right, I mean, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Just, just walk right in. I mean, they, they've already got their stuff out. What's the big mm-hmm. deal? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so Sam and Gary uh, hooked up on their first attempt at the golden mile and um you know she was immediately regretted it and was just disgusted so gary now wants to attempt it again but we so, also found out that steven has been pining mm-hmm, after yep. sam forever even though he's dating a 26 year old fitness instructor <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like i mean, I mean it's reminding them about yeah well, for a middle-aged guy, that's quite an achievement. Oh, yeah. Right. Sam is Martin's sister, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, always, I always forget his name for some reason, even though um, he's my... I love him so much. I love that actor so much. <laughs> I uh, I love him, but I, I hate that he stole the Emmy from uh, Matt Bomer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I always hate him for that. But anyways... Um, 
Yeah. Uh, no, I keep going. No, absolutely. I just and um, I, I do like the uh, the fun little allusion to like they show us what went down with her that night. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's the stage we're drunk. We were making out. Oh, she goes to the bathroom. I'm going to follow her. It's going to be like a fun little cat game here. You gave me the signal. I gave you what signal? Well, you went to the toilet. Yeah, yeah I, I went to the toilet. <laughs> like, yeah. To go to the bathroom. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I forget what um what causes them to leave this place. Is it just that they're done, or is there is this where the people start like giving them the weird looks? I always forget. Uh, nope. At this one, they just ran into Sam. Sam gets fed up, and she's like, "I don't think I'm going to join you because right. Gary's mm-hmm. a douche." So, um, you know, and their goal is to have one pint of beer at each of these pubs. So once once Gary gets that one pint, oh yeah, he's done. He's done. Anybody else? He's on to the next one mm-hmm. because it's only what Gary wants. And I think this is the one where they're outside. Where are we going? To the cock, and he just trips, <laughs> like right <Yeah>. over. <laughs> yep. Um, and this is where they run into the incomparable Basil. And yes, Basil. <laughs> British guy named Basil, I can't help but think of Austin Powers with Basil Exposition. Hello, Exposition. <laughs> and this why, guy why does it. I haven't seen this movie since I was a kid. Why did I just think of the Great Mouse Detective? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they run into Basil, who is also um, from Hot Fuzz, and, and Basil Basil seems to not be like everyone else they've been running into. Well, he has has always been a little strange. He's always had the conspiracy theories, and he always drinks with a straw. That was a great touch. Yeah. That was a great touch. He's always just sitting and muttering on his own kind of thing, basically, to anyone who will listen. And um, he is actually my that guy actor for this movie. Yes! Um, because he's been in so much. You know, he was uh, Flitch, or Filch? I think it's Filch, in Filch. the Harry Potter movies. You know, he, mm-hmm. he was, you know, in Doctor Who for a bit. He was uh, Walter Frey on Game of Thrones. Like, he has been all over places and he was in um hot fuzz as well but not Shaun of the dead right right um the the crazy straw every time i watch this movie um especially with other people i i mutter my quick mitch favorite mitch hedberg joke are either of you two aware of mitch hedberg oh, I love mitch hedberg. yeah the uh you're not stevin no, but go ahead. Look, look him up. He's 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 a situational comedian, so it's really quick jokes that are delivered in a certain way. And he's like, yeah. "Do you think? Do you think the crazy straws are looked at as weird by the rest of the straws? Like, I'm sane. I never lost my mind. That fucker that takes a while to get to the mouth, he's crazy." <laughs> I just always like think of that when I see this scene. Um, Anyway, so, you know, Basil's a little weird, and, and they have their pint, and they move their way on to the cross hand. When, when you mentioned how Basil was not in Shaun of the Dead, I thought for a little while at first that he was um, Shaun's mom's boyfriend. Why am I blanking yeah. on his name? Bill Nighy. Yes. No, I know. I mean, but, like, his, his was it Jim or the... 
Uh, oh, in the movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. I don't know why yeah. I can't remember his name. It's Neither can I, but I know what he's talking about. Kill, kill who? Kill Steven? Oh, that sounds right. Kill. Yeah, yeah, that's I, it. I feel like it's a two-syllable name. Mm-hmm. Uh, grab Barbara, uh, boogie to the Winchester. I know they had to get Liz. Dang, boogie Maddie, to the this, Winchester. <laughs> this is going to drive me nuts. I'm, look, okay, I'm looking up now. Uh, okay. These are my favorite bits. Oh, Philip. 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 Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Cool. All right. Still two syllables. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> close, so close. Very close. <laughs> so we were in the cross hands, which is cleverly noted because this is where our conflict happens. Oh, you, you skipped over uh, the, the famous cock. No, that's Basil. Basil was at the famous cock. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to mention, too, I love how Gary still gets his pint at the famous cock. <laughs> what he does to get it. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm a complete moron. Um, The cock is where Gary is banned. That's right. And he goes outside and drinks all the quarter drank beers. Oh, that was so gross. I know. One of a friend of of mine on Facebook uh, was at a uh, someplace in Wisconsin, and this was recently, and he took a picture of his friend doing that with a margarita at someone else's table they had left. I'm like, we're in a pandemic, honey. It's oh, like, and besides that, I know, I know. It matters even more now, but it always is gross. Uh, I, I, I hear uh, people used to do shit like that, and it's mm-hmm. like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, it is great. It just shows how committed Gary is to this weird little thing he needs to do to I don't really know what he wants to do like but he he just wants to keep being Gary um like this is the only achievement he can do or he feels right. he can do yeah pretty sad mm-hmm. All I have left the last time I was happy yeah that's mm-hmm. that's shit actually we get we get to the cross hands which is cleverly noted and named because this is where our conflict happens and around here you know the characters stop noticing and reminding you how every bar looks the same but we still notice and this is uh, where we're um sorry before we get to some crossing of hands we meet the marmalade sandwich yeah (laughs) inside i couldn't remember which is these hot girls from when they were teenagers. There was two blondes and a redhead. And they hung out together. And the two blondes were twins. And they were the hottest of the hot. And they were absolutely unattainable. But yeah. they're still sitting together at the crossed hands. And mm-hmm. they call them the marmalade sandwich. That's the marmalade sandwich? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, then... Also, oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to mention, uh, Gary goes into the bathroom, yeah. uh, goes into the loo, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and he leaves his phone on the table, and guess who starts calling? Mom. Yep. Mom. <laughs> Mom is not dead. So basically, Gary manipulated and used and played his friends to get them to go on this pub crawl. Shocking. Shocking. Yep. Uh, and then from here, this is the point where the movie really uh, 
takes off. I mean, you know, not like it was boring before, but where that action really starts. Uh, one of the, they previously saw a group of five young men who were about the age they were when they attempted the Golden Mile. And one of them walks in. And Jess, you're going to hate me for saying this. I, I call that guy not Taryn Edgerton. Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, don't you dare sully Taryn Edgerton's name. <laughs> Do not. That's wonderful. <laughs> might look like Eggsy, but no. No. <laughs> Taryn Edgerton is way better than that meat-headed robot. Meat-headed soccer hooligan. (laughs) (laughs) And so they get into a fight, and uh, Andy uh, picks him up and slams his head against the urinal, and it bursts into blue uh, ink, is what they claim it is. Yeah, so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, bursts into blue ink, and, you know, so what's going on here? And then Andy... Uh, walks in and sees the scene and he is he it shows you how upset he was at Gary how he didn't immediately be like whoa what the fuck is that yeah like there's this guy on the floor with his head smashed open there's blue shit everywhere yeah and he's mad about the phone I don't care how mad I would ever be at either of you if if I saw if that if that was there I'm like okay this takes precedence over that we can talk about this later um but uh yeah and so then they uh the five the five guys all come in and it's just wonderful it's just yeah it is it's just wonderful they all walk in unison and turn in unison i don't know if they say anything at this point they don't do the light up jess what was that they don't. Yeah, because no. we haven't gotten to the light up eyes and like the, the but we're still in the what's going on here thing. But this fight is awesome. Um, yes. It's really over the top. The jump cuts and the moving camera around all the guys is really cool. And he <laughs> beats a guy to death with his own arms. Yeah, yeah. it's just wonderful. This fight scene is fan fucking tastic. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it it elevates the movie. It, you know, it's that rocket that makes you go, oh, shit, something's happening. And, you know, it's a five-on-five fight, um, except one, uh, what is it, Peter, I think, goes and hides in one of the stalls. Um, <laughs> but Andy, uh, Nick Frost, who has been playing the straight man this entire time, uh, is really cool. Um, he actually pulls out some awesome wrestling moves he was a star of the scene yeah he really was he oh man he's amazing but uh later on he goes on to be the father in the movie fighting with my family which Which wasn't terrible i've never seen it and i really want to now especially since i realized uh florence Pugh is in it oh yeah yeah. I, i i love 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 florence being, being a wrestling fan, I did enjoy it. When Kyle, when Kyle and I saw the new Wrong Turn, when we watched the new Wrong Turn, he um he thought that that the main actress in that movie was Florence Pugh. I'm like, no, it's not. They look nothing alike. She looks <laughs> she looks more like uh um the character of Alicia in Fear the Walking Dead, which I know you both have you haven't seen. Jess, you haven't watched that, right? Uh, I haven't watched it since just before Rick left. 
Right. I can't, okay. I can't bear to see him go. Oh, no, I meant Fear the Walking Dead, the spinoff. No, no I haven't watched yeah. that. Yeah. Actually, since Morgan's on it, I might check it out. But Yeah. A, th- a thing I wanted to make sure we mentioned, because it comes up later, and I'm pretty sure it came up before um, Andy and Gary getting into this fight, which then became the five-on-five fight, um, is, is the comment about the water. And that that came up much earlier, right? Because that was in the first pub, right? Where he he says, you know, how how can you drink that? Like, how can you do that and and still walk into a pub around these guys? And and Andy says to Gary, and this is a really important through line for Gary as a character. Mm-hmm. Andy says, you know, what do you mean? Like, you know, it takes more strength and more self esteem, and I'm a bigger man than anybody. Because I can walk into a pub and see all these eyes looking at me and expect me to be a certain thing and order a water, mm. you know, yeah. and I, I that that becomes an incredibly important through line. And I I always thought that I added that note in here. And I just I like to mention that because we do get Andy gets so mad at him because Andy cares. Yep. It's it's not the uh, it's not the oh this was a shit friend and I'm done with them. It's like this guy hurt me, yeah. <laughs> not just mm-hmm. physically. Like th- like we were we were inseparable. We were best friends, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, it's just it's so harsh. So this is when they realize the cell phones are down. Yeah. And okay, what is yep. going on? And it's not just you know they're out of service or anything like that. No, their phones are down. Period. Yeah. They're are also the only ones in town with cell phones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Stefan. Oh, and so, yeah, at this point, they, uh, they're they trying to decide what to do, uh, if they should leave, mm-hmm. or try to blend in. And they decide to blend in, still continue with the Golden Mile, which... I gotta say, they even even initially they don't do a very good job at blending. <laughs> no, they do not. Gary <laughs> thinks they do. This is what they expect us to well, do, so we should do what they expect us to do. When you're drunk out of your mind, you think you can do anything. <laughs> well, I mean, their logic is that they've told everybody that they're going to do the Golden Mile, mm-hmm. so that's what they're expecting them to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love it. Right. So they're heading to the Good Companion, and yes. as they're walking, they n- notice that the people around them aren't going about their daily lives anymore. They are staring. Yeah, they they are what's on TV tonight. <laughs> yeah, not just staring, but like creepy staring at their every move. Yeah. Great. And um, and when we get to the Good Companion. People are staring even more. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, from the time and, they walk in to the time they sit down. And we see all the same beer lovers, and we see all the same beers and the same pub. And is this the point where we get to it and it's the same bartender? I can't. I know that there's one where the bartender is like the same guy, and that was always like, wait a minute, what? Well, actually, the thing with all the same beer lovers um, is that at all the other places, you know, when you go to a bar, they have the different like yeah. heads on the taps to show you what they have whereas this one they were all just stark white like 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 tusks yeah and um and when they ask him what's good it's like you know it's always the same beer 
And then it's like they're learning from what they said earlier because he makes a joke about the the maltiness and the hoppiness, and then this bartender repeats it. Like it's like, wait a minute, I said that to the first guy. Uh, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> and is this um is this the bar where Andy just goes off the wagon? Um, oh, I'm not I, sure. That always gets a little clouded. I. I don't remember if that happens here. Does that uh, that happens before the mermaid because the mermaid yes. is uh, is where Andy is um Andy and the other two guys are playing with the marmalade sandwich. Um I think it's either here or at the next one. Um because not only do they get pints of beers and Andy gets water, but uh Gary steps up with a set of shots like yes shots. Mm-hmm. i think um, that's this one because when they get to the trusty servant they kind of walk in there like men on a mission and yeah. that's when yeah. kind of gives them like because this is where andy says let's boo-boo and then they go to the trusty servant so andy right. andy does his i think he pounds every shot gary right because they because they brought up um andy driving because he's the only sober one and he just like immediately yeah down yeah. something to t- take care of that yeah and andy yep. can drive mm-hmm. okay so so then they they basically are realizing that everyone's staring at them and andy does the let's boo-boo and they bust feet to the trusty servant which they basically run to mm-hmm. yeah and at the tr- they're not the- that far apart, right? Yep. And at the trusted servant, uh, we meet Reverend Green, uh, Andy's former drug dealer, and he is or G- Gary, Gary, Gary's former drug dealer, uh, played by Michael Smiley, and he is my that guy yes. in this movie. If nothing else, he was in one of my favorite and, in my opinion, most underrated episodes of Black Mirror called White Rabbit. Oh God! Um, <laughs> Jess, have, have we talked about just how uh, personal that episode is for me? Uh, we haven't. We haven't okay. really gone down uh, Black Mirror Twilight Zone path yet. Okay. Because yeah, I'll, we we could we should do like if not we should do if nothing else like a shooting the shit episode about how that episode like is lit, like I like it's it's personal to me. And I would, I would love that as long as you're comfortable talking about it. That show, oh, definitely, that shook me. Like, yeah. <laughs> we we could actually do an episode Twilight Zone versus Black Mirror. Oh, that'd be great. Sure. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm I'm looking at this actor's uh, very long filmography. Mm-hmm. He's got 101 credits. Oh my. Well, that's Christopher um, Lee territory. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah, and honestly, the only thing that I can say I've seen him in is the other Bowling Girl. Yeah, I've never seen that. I own it. It's it's fucking good. I always mix that up with the girl with the pearl earring. You own both I of them. Seen that. Mm. Cool. So, so anyway, uh, we're at the trusty servant and talking to Reverend Green. There's nothing wrong with doing your business in the toilet, Reverend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he used to do his business in the toilet, but he's more dignified than that now. (laughs) And I forget what what goes down with the Reverend Green, because it it was he I really like that actor. And it was just so lovely to see him on screen. What um, what comes of of this? So basically, uh, Gary 
is like, oh, there's the Reverend Green. I can go talk to him to find out some information. Oh, he'll remember and, me uh, and our secret code. Yes. Yes, we have a secret code. And he walks up and stands next to Reverend Green and, like, taps on the bar, like, three, four times. And he tries to talk to Reverend Green about buying some weed. And Reverend Green doesn't do that anymore. And he doesn't do his business in the toilet anymore. And uh, he, you know, he lives a better life now. And there's a couple of gentlemen off to the side who are saying, you know, leave him alone. He's happy now. You know, all of this stuff. And finally, after Gary has harangued him, there's a phone call at the bar on a blue phone, which is the same color as this blood, blood mm-hmm. or ink in these bots. Um, and he gets a call saying... They want to see you. And Reverend Green gets really frustrated and is like, Oh, now you've done it. You know, yep. I was doing just fine. I was living just fine, and now you've done it. And so he has to leave. And, um, you know, as uh, Gary and the crew are leaving the trusty servant, we see that the boys that they had the scuffle with in the loo. Uh, are put back together and like (laughs) these guys were smashed to bits and i'm not talking drunk like how (laughs) so freaking quickly like it's crazy but um in a throwback to hot fuzz they're sitting around this fountain i'm kind of wondering if they're the same boys just older now maybe it's a good point Mm mm-hmm and yeah, so they move very quickly. Is this when we we realize that the art piece is walking around on its own? No, that's a little later. No, that's later. The, did I they just point out? Did they did they point out the art piece yet? The modern art that must uh, be during. I, it's during one of these in betweens. Yes. Yeah. It, well, it's still light out, and they talk about what kind of sculpture it is because it's this big metallic person bought sculpture, and it's got to be like 10 feet tall to 15 feet tall and it's just it's standing on two legs and they're like what kind of art is this modern art i don't know and anyway they get to the two-headed dog the two-headed dog yes where we have the twin fight the twin fight and that that's a real um you know again when you talk about you know the uk humor maybe being a little behind you know two-headed dog yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, and this this fight, uh, I love how they uh, and we also meet up with Sam again at this point. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Sam, she. Uh, Sam is sitting with uh, the twins from the marmalade sandwich, um, and she is lamenting to them about, you know, how she's run back into Gary, and you know this happened, and you know how he's such a pain in the ass. And the twins start being really creepy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They are listening very closely about all the crazy things that Gary has told her about this town. Yes, yep. and and so we get into this fight, and man, the um, it is my favorite visual in the whole. It movie. is. It yeah. is the 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 Sam Raimi style. <laughs> yes. Um, goofiness and to these fights and i mean that in like the biggest level of respect because because you know edgar wright's just influenced by everybody and this movie 
I don't know how it like like Shaun of the Dead is definitely a horror comedy. Hot Fuzz is an action comedy with some horror. It's framed like a horror movie, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but this one is just bonkers. Like it jumps around everywhere. And yeah. This, oh, yeah. The the putting the legs on as your arms and continuing uh. to fight. <laughs> okay. Before we even get to that, though, these girls can throw down. Yes, they can. <laughs> Holy buckets. The two of them take on the six humans. Um, just uh, Gary and his crew and then Sam. And oh my word, like it's not enough to take them apart. They reattach and come back for more. Mm-hmm. So it right. is wild. Where we see like the boys back together, you know, a half an hour later. They're, th- these twins are immediate. Like no, 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 no. Like where... <laughs> We're we're gonna fight some more. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, not to trail off, but Chris, to answer your question, uh, you are correct about the pod each having a number that that you know tells you which one they are on the Golden Mile. Then, according to IMDb, the number of the pub, according to the order it is visited in the Golden Mile, will appear prominently somewhere on a chalkboard assigned within it or on the table at which Gary and the group are sitting. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool. I did not know that. Yeah. Now, this is the fight they run from, right? Like, this is the, like, get out the window and get the fuck out, right? Yes. And this is... Um... I'm pretty sure. It's not the one where they're on the roof and Gary jumps and lands on Sam's car. Uh, <laughs> that one's the beehive. Yes, that's yeah. the beehive. But um, this is the one, like, to get to the mermaid, because it's kind of like... uh. Because they're still, we we got to keep it together. We got to we got to press on. And when they get to the mermaid, it's you know, chaos, dance club, church school attire. Like, oh my lord! Mm-hmm. And this so, is where Basil hops in and grabs Steve. Yeah. Um. To set the record straight, though, the uh, the twins they were fighting are the nowadays twins, where they're older. You know, twenty years later. Mm-hmm. But in the mermaid, they run into the marmalade sandwich, and it's got the twins from. Yes. And they start pointing out everything starts clicking into place in the mm-hmm. mermaid. Yep. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> yep, and everyone's in like church school attire, and uh, as they're walking in, actually, Steve gets nabbed by Basil, and you know. Um, Gary and Andy and I want to say Martin, not yep. Martin, um, Peter, yes. are in the marmalade sandwich. Uh, girls. And... No, it was, uh, it was Oliver, right? Oh, was was it Oliver? Oh man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, Martin is acting sus. He goes to get drinks for everybody. Um, the marmalade sandwich is making out with Gary, Andy, and I guess O-Man. I thought that was Martin, though. Martin is O-Man. Martin is O-Man, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Martin wasn't part of the threesome. Martin was off getting drinks because Martin gets grabbed and and swapped at this point, right? Uh, Actually, he was swapped a long time ago. Uh, I forget because they they allude to it. Like if you watch back again, I remember re- recognizing because it's he is Martin at the beginning of the crawl. He is. Yeah. Y'all, y'all, there. There's no. Uh, there's no Martin in this movie. You're thinking of Martin Freeman. 
Yeah, we yeah. keep calling him by his real name. His name's Oliver. Okay. Thank you for finally yeah. clearing that up. Um, I've been calling him Martin like, in my I'm like, huh? I called him Martin in my notes. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I swear, I swear I paid attention better this time. I swear. There's no stress. That's what's fun about no. this. No. Yeah. So, no, man, I know I made a mental note at the sixth bar i don't know which one was the sixth bar but uh martin oliver went off to the bathroom and was gone for quite a long time so, and so i don't that, know if just his that was servant was the sixth one yeah but, the tr- i knew more happened because he's gone during the fight mm-hmm. that's well, it yeah there was a fight at the trusty servant that was when they were talking to reverend green but isn't yeah. he on for the two-headed dog fight I thought like he's kind of not there for the two-headed dog. Maybe I'm crazy. I think maybe he's like standing back because he doesn't want to join the fight. Maybe I, I just remember there being a lot of time where you could look at old man and go, once you know what's going on down with old man, you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, he's already, mm-hmm. already swapped. Oh, and yeah. giving them the drinks and kind of coaxing them into, yeah, do this. Yeah, get with the marmalade sandwich. This is what you yeah. want. Yeah. <laughs> And so the marmalade sandwich is making out with Gary, Andy, and Peter, because Oliver is off getting drinks, and Steve has been kidnapped by Basil, who is giving him this rundown of how um, this is not an invasion, it is a merger, and they basically copy you through your DNA and make blanks of you. Um, And so, actually, well... Uh, after Basil gets done giving Stephen this rundown, he finds Gary, Andy, and uh, Peter making out with Marmalade Sandwich. And uh, the redhead actually takes Andy's wedding ring and swallows it. Yeah, they, she, she fillets his finger. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love how he gets it back later. I can't so wait for that part. And and remember, we we also had the reveal here with Sam, where she saw the was it was it a guy she used to date from years before? Yep, yep. Yeah. And he had been uh, killed in a car accident, I believe. Was it eight years before? And it's like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Yep. So you know, that's you know, they, I, I was kind of surprised that the invading aliens wouldn't have like done their homework a little better on that, but whatever. They have a lot to do. Well, and something that we didn't touch on in, like, the second bar. Oh, yeah, um, Peter. Peter Peter actually runs into a guy who bully him. Bully him. That that shows back up later. Mm -hmm. Sorry. My dog is trying to run away with my yard. That's okay. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, and he's upset. You know, he's not upset that the guy, you know beat him up or bullied him every day of his life and made him, you know, made them like literally the most miserable years of his life. He's mad that he didn't recognize him. It's like, I wasn't important to him at all. Yep. I, I, I can relate to that. Um, yep. Oh God. So much. I mean, it's almost worse when you have like a form of really, and Jess, we've talked about this before, how, when, when they try to act like, so friendly with you maybe like they don't remember they're just trying to you know, make up for it it's like you think i don't remember that yeah, yeah. Oh, i know that yep um yep. a cool a cool thing i noted here um which 
you know, it, this is one of the best things about doing this show is you get to go back and watch movies that you really love with a closer eye. And um, I noted that in Basil's explanation, they he's really, you know, he's still doing the conspiracy theory guy thing. He's like, yeah. they came down on, on the shooting star. And <laughs> if you go back and watch the scene of them on the cliff or on the, on the um, hill overlooking the town the morning they failed the Golden Mile when they're younger, you see that shooting star. And I oh, think wow. that's it literally the town became invaded the mm-hmm. day they failed the Golden Mile. Right. It's like, yeah. God damn. That reminds me, that reminds me of um, uh, in, Clo- in Cloverfield, where oh, yeah. you can supposedly, supposedly see the, uh, the satellite, the satellite dropping into the water, which I, I it's really faint. I can't see that. Maybe I haven't watched that movie in high def or good enough high def, but I've never been able to see that satellite dropping. And everyone's like, oh, it's there, it's there. I'm like, <laughs> take your word for it. I um, need to see it again. Mm, it's worth a rewatch. I love it. So, uh, Jess, you had brought up that there was a, another that guy or that girl here that we can't figure out. So yeah, we wanted to throw uh, it there. The, the redhead in the marmalade sandwich. I looked through IMDb. Um, her picture is not in there from what I could find. Um, and, you know, she looks so familiar. And I just can't place her. And so if you know who she is or, you know, know what other movies she's been in, um, it would be a really great help if you could let us know. Yeah. For sure. So you were going to say, Stefan? Sorry, I, I, I kind of started in when you were um, saying. No, that was, I, I wasn't going to say anything. Just, yeah. So, so we continue our basically running from strangeness um, <laughs> as we head to the beehive. Yeah. And I, I love. Martin is acting super sus. Super, mm-hmm. super sus. Yeah. Let's just get to Let's going. keep going. Let's keep going. Keep going on the golden mile. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And here we meet uh, Mr. Shepard, their former teacher, uh, played by Pierce Brosnan. Uh, Actually, the principal. Principal, okay. Stunt casting in this movie. Yes, (laughs) yeah. Um, I don't know. It it rivals uh, Mamma Mia for me and Pierce Brosnan. Like being the partner and just singing and dancing around in that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mia and just kind of being like, yeah, who cares if I'm like not as good as good at this as everybody else in this movie? I'm Pierce goddamn Brosnan and I'm here and I'm right. doing. Bond, oh, so used to him in like the Bond roles and and yes, okay, doing backflips. Yeah, and no problem with men singing. I mean, men who can sing are fantastic. I I know some opera sing in male opera singers and they are absolutely amazing but just it's just surprising to see a guy go from bond to mama mia to this like <laughs> it's like wow what a well-rounded portfolio mm-hmm. yeah um so i forgot to mention so um when we talk about the bars you know the names having to do with what they encounter so the mermaid was obviously them being tempted yes, by yes, the yes. women yes yes and the beehive is uh, two things. In my opinion, it's the whole hive mind, because that's where Mr. Shepard yeah. reveals everything. But it's also they have to fight off a swarm of enemies. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's according to IMDb. I think I think my my view of it's better, but that's just me. Oh, I like <laughs> the, yeah. the center of the hive mind or like mm-hmm. the outskirts of the hive mind, yeah. And so they all uh they scatter at this point. And uh this is when Gary and Sam go up on the roof, right? Yeah. Yep. They go up on the roof and Sam's car is below. And Gary, oh my, oh my God, Gary, like trust. I always land on my feet. Land on my feet. I'm not sure if that's true. <laughs> Love her response. And break. Uh huh. And then right here, Sam gives some great advice to to Gary about you know you know you've never been very dependable. It's it's time to grow up. Yeah. She tells that to him, and uh, Edgar Wright actually considers this movie, he envisioned it as a morality tale of the dangers of uh, not growing up. I guess we could call it Peter Pan syndrome. Mm-hmm. Big time. Yeah, and Sam really sums it up uh, succinctly in her words. I wish I had a full transcript I could read of that, but it's it's wonderful. I, I got to add in a couple things before we get yeah. to uh, don't land on cars because it fucking hurts. Apparently. <laughs> um, so, you know, we we run into Pierce Brosnan as the principal, you know, uh, we find out um, uh, Oliver. Oh, Oscar? man. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, his scar is back. His birthmark. So, uh, yep. Yeah, he he had actually mentioned earlier that he's no longer old man. He no longer has his scar. He got he got it lasered off. Like he didn't want to be that guy anymore. But lo and behold, it's back. Well, so, definitely super sus. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, this is gosh, I don't even know how to rank the fights because they are so phenomenal in this movie. They're so Uh, creative. They are. And Nick Frost does an amazing Mm -hmm. freaking job. Like, he fights this entire fight with, like, footstools on his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Nick Nick Frost... I, I love actors that are larger men that have physical prowess and there's a lot of them you know but they're like nick frost yeah they make fat jokes at nick's expense but they're not the point of the movie nick is not cast because he's you know and and there were times thank you this is what i loved Mm -hmm. the most about chris farley is that even though he got typecast into those roles he played them like a guy that wasn't fat you know, mm-hmm. like that wasn't the reason he was there. He was so physical and Nick Frost is so damn physical. And we, we talked about on a previous, um, the previous movie in this double feature, Jonah Hill, who when yeah. Jonah Hill was at his largest, um, I, I, I mean, there was a, a good reason for him to get some help because when you get to get him to the Greek, he was looking like Chris Farley level, like scary. And yeah. You're just unhealthy, you know, and I felt that not that I'm a big guy. I'm not one to to, to just, you know, but he was still doing the physical comedy that he does now running around and jumping and doing pratfalls. And it Mm -hmm. was just like, yeah, movie didn't. There was not a point of the film of this character is large. They never pointed it out. They just let him kind of be 
And I love that about Nick Frost. He is the most physical of all of these guys. There's no like I can't keep up <laughs> jokes or anything like that. Yeah, he 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 sprints down the street. Yeah, he yeah. sprints. Yep, he's he's you know he's a fighter. He doesn't back down. Uh, that's that's definitely one of the things that I really love to see because you know unfortunately a lot of Hollywood stereotypes is you know fat people are dumb and they can't do anything and they're going to get diabetes and this that and another thing and it's just it's so frustrating you know mm-hmm. i've i've always been a bigger person you know and actually i don't know if it was this movie or another one i watched recently where one person said you know i'm built for strength and not for speed mm-hmm. and i yeah. i really i really like that saying but um, just, you know, I, I actually tweeted um, Ryan Reynolds because he's a writer for uh, Deadpool. And uh, in Deadpool 2, they kept alluding to this kid's weight and that he was going to get diabetes and this, that, and another thing. And it's just not funny. Yep. No. Yep. So anyway, um, Martin Scars, Scars back. <laughs> um uh, we find out that the robots that we come to know that they are, their heads are basically giant speakers mm-hmm. for what we find out later is called the network. The and network. Their mm-hmm. eyes open up wide and their mouth opens up wide and they emit this like bright blue-white light and it is so loud and so mm-hmm. insane to have them all like in a room and at this point they all just scatter and right. Harry and Sam go up to the to the roof and uh you know she has a chat with Gary and uh that he can't admit when he's wrong and mm-hmm. uh he even says yes I can <laughs> and um and we forgot about um, Oliver's uh, reveal. She said his scars back. No, I mean, isn't isn't that does that happen at? I mean, his big reveal, isn't oh. it at the Beehive or is that the King's Head? Uh, Oliver doesn't make it to the King's Head. Yeah, this is he gets his he gets his head lopped yep. off here. Yeah, yeah, gets smashed. Yeah, yeah, he got his head half smashed off in the uh, the fight at the Beehive, which um, I always thought was funny. This one of the times watching it for this, I went, "Wait a minute!" But then later on, he's back with the head back. But then during the chaos, there's a beam falling that knocks the head off again, so they can do that gag at the end. And I was like, "That's funny." <laughs> he gets the same wound twice. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Gary sends Sam off to go find help, and he runs into Andy and Stephen and Peter um, in this little, like, what is it, a schoolroom, a closet, uh, something with a giant fucking mallet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that they uh, they basically threaten each other if they're not them actual selves and i'm just like why why do you have this giant fucking mallet that's almost the size you would use at a carnival to test your strength (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, it is insane. And Steven's just holding it like, you know, I'm gonna... I will lob your head off with this. But it's just like, really? Like, this is nuts. Um, you know, we find out that, you know, they're all themselves. And uh, as they as they uh, go to leave, um, Peter runs into his bully again. Oh, and, could, uh, oh, Jess, could we just back up for a sec? I love how... Uh, we find out, you know, that they each are who they say they are because they're scars. But yeah. with Gary, all he has is tattoos. And it's surprising that this guy, like, wouldn't have any scars with everything he's done. You know, well, he, well, he, he does, we find out, but later yeah. on. But, yeah. yeah. Um, and and is this where we find out um, Andy's big story uh, about how he was going to drive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was going to drive Gary to the hospital, and they got in their accident, and Gary ran off. And Andy basically almost died because of Gary. Yep. Yep, and uh, and then Gary uh, reveals, you know, yeah, he proves him himself not to be a robot by bashing his head against a wooden plank. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just all like, yep, that's Gary. Yep. <laughs> and he just keeps doing it. <laughs> Oh man! So yeah, you you said that Peter confronts his bully. Mm-hmm. Well, I think his bully finds him, and, and Peter and beats it, the shit. Mm-hmm. It was really satisfying, you know. and he's like, "No, you had your chance. Fuck you." <laughs> it it makes me think of a, a Christmas story. Yes, Ralphie yes. just gets yeah. up on the bully and is just you bleeping bleeping. You fucking <laughs> Yeah, punching him back and forth. The f dash 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 word. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say fudge. I said the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know, we find Peter whooping his bully, and um, you know, he does he smash his head. Yeah, he's it's brutal. Yeah. Like he, he just doesn't. I don't know if the camera just doesn't show the bully, and we just see Peter going to town. I can't remember if that we see the damage or not. I don't know. But, it's, uh, it's one of those scenes, just like that, where it's like, all right, he's 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 already dead. You can stop. <laughs> you yeah. know, kind of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you're just. You're just doing it for yourself now. Like <laughs> he's this is gone. where we statue on patrol. Yes, the uh, the big giant ten fifteen foot metal man statue, which is probably the most absurd thing in this movie. It, it was say it was there. It was them trying to pay a homage to uh, War of the Worlds. Yep, and the day the Earth stood still. It reminds me of both. It has a kind of a classic. <laughs> And also, War of the Worlds kind of look. Ah, okay. So yeah, they're uh, they're hiding behind spots, and they see this giant metal statue, basically <laughs> patrolling, trying to find them. And it doesn't look down, or maybe it can't look down because it's like you know, its head is it too. It is a useless robot. I know, the- I know. They're right out in the open. I know. It's like well, I, it it just seems it, as we find out later that the. These these um, intergalactic beings severely underestimated our. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we 
or overestimated. One of the two. <laughs> yep. So, um, the chaos brings us to the king's head. Yeah. Um, I gotta, I gotta mention. <laughs> um, where they're running through, um, Gary still has to get a pint. Oh, but oh they, yeah. They run past the video mm-hmm. game machine, and it they use the same sound that they have used in Shaun of the Dead. And I can't recall if it's in Hot Fuzz, but I'm pretty sure it is. Pretty sure uh, it is, too. Oh, that's what you're referring to. Okay. Yeah, and it's this kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you're not listening for it, you won't notice it. But it's just one of those little gags that if you're a fan of the movies and have seen them several times, it's one thing that might, like, ping in your brain. Yeah. And then, and then we get to the hole in the wall, right? Which, do they crash into the hole in the wall or do they crash into it later? I always forget. Sam crashes into it. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. And the the king's head is um uh basically Gary Gary King is his last name. And by the way, yeah, the their their last names are all, you know, symbolic of like royalty. Yeah. Prince. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Prince, Page, yeah, King. And so the the king's head, so Gary decides to head it alone at this point and still continue with the golden mile. Go and the the hole in the wall is obviously because Sam drives into the hole in the wall. <laughs> yes, and we're wondering if Stephen has turned. Yeah, at this <laughs> point, we're not sure. And um, this oh man, Andy Andy gets stopped by the marmalade sandwich. The um, redhead. <laughs> I want you inside me. Okay. <laughs> straight into her stomach. He gets his break back. And I love it. I love, love, love that. And we realize how symbolic that is with what we find out about Andy coming up. And that brings us to the world's end. That's right. Welcome, join our club. I love that. (laughs) Gary walks in uh, and there's a pint waiting for him. Of course, he's made it. On a pedestal. This is what he wanted. With a light shining on it. <laughs> yes. Yes, this is Gary's holy grail. Like, it is all he ever wanted. It is the thing that is going to make him happy and complete his life. And then... And he takes it away. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and it gets knocked over, and, you know, um, Andy and Gary are fighting, and they fight each other, and they, you know, finally come to realize that they are both living lies. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Andy's wife had, uh, I don't know if she took the kids, but she moved out a few weeks ago. She did. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Gary... Um, it looked like he tried to uh, commit suicide. Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. that one. I I when I watched this the first time, it was on uh, DVD. Um, I didn't see it in the theater because of I, I think this might have been college finals or something. There was some reason, but I I I try to see everything Edgar Wright makes in the theaters. But I remember having to stop it 
and like walk out of the room and collect myself because it's like no. this movie had some dark bits, but I saw that and it's like that's when you go, oh, you had to go and make me feel sympathetic for Gary, didn't you? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. wow, movie. Because yeah, he's that, kind of yeah. just, it's like, oh, but this, without words, they tell you so much about him. Yes. You know, or yeah. just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, no, that, uh, that reveal was definitely a sucker punch for me. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, we understand him at that point. You know, the meeting at the beginning was a, you know, suicide survivors. Yeah. And, you know, he was talking about, you know, all all it was was, you know, people talking about how sad they were. And that's not me. I want something to make me happy. And this was the last time I was happy. Yeah. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, Andy's like, you know, if this is going to make you happy, then go ahead. And uh, Gary goes and tries to fill up another cup for his last pint. And there is a very fancy floor that is activated by this beer cap. <laughs> I just want to say, speaking of Gary being happy, I forgot to mention this scene. One of my favorite moments with him is where they're, uh, was it, were they waiting for the train or something like that? And Gary's inside playing Need for Speed. It's when they, they stopped. Oh, they're at um, a to eat. There was a rest stop, and he said he needed to stop for something. Gary said he needed to stop, but where is he? And he is just beating the shit out of crews in USA. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know, it goes to show you the type of person that Gary is. He told them that he needed to use the bathroom, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there. Oh, where's Gary? You know, he's been right. gone a while, and Andy <laughs> is the only one who's noticed that Gary is off, you know, playing this video game. Instead of, you know, being with his friends who came all this way to do this thing with him. No, no. It's what Gary wants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Wow. Yep. So, yeah, they they activate the the Scooby-Doo hidden room switch. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the floor starts uh, going down. And it's this big circle that goes into, like levels upon levels upon levels upon levels down 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 basically yeah. like national treasure like yes. exactly. and that's like, like they're going down inside a little mini coliseum it's really weird yeah. yeah yeah and all of the robot people are like standing around in each of the levels and you know they're just you know they're watching because you know they're all this and they want these guys to turn and you know um this is their headquarters and we are then introduced to the network Mm. yes by the way is bill nighy who was in hot fuzz and shawn of the dead who is amazing there we go there we go okay great and yeah. and he was also um, a Davy Jones, yes, in, a, in the Pirates of the Caribbean films, mm-hmm. yeah, which he was in Love Actually, yes, yeah, so, okay, I mean, he's in everything. Bill Nye is amazing, yeah, he is. And he, this is where the movie just turns into exposition with our two main characters riffing over said exposition for like twenty minutes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, as soon as these guys left town, um, the network came in and started redoing the population, and they're behind cell phones and computers, and we find out that Steve is the least civilized 
uh, or sorry, not Steve, but Earth is the least civilized planet in the galaxy. And I love that this comes with the my favorite Simon Pegg one-off line in the whole movie. Oh, fuck off, you big lamp. <laughs> it's just a big pulsating light. Yep. And uh, actually, Steve just shows up, and he we find out he has not turned. He has survived. Yep. Uh, and he he takes the side of Gary and Andy. Mm-hmm. And Peter Peter by this point had been turned after he beat up uh, his bully. Yeah, that's right. Upon yeah. by them. Yep. By yeah. by group. Yep. Yeah. So so get, getting up to the part with Steve, which which I love Steve's reveal. Uh, we're only two men. No, three drunk men. <laughs> Steve <laughs> comes down from the top. But I I love um. There's some great bits. Andy's bit um. Uh, now you might think Gary is a bit of a cock, and he is a bit of a cock, but he's my cock. <laughs> <laughs> Always loved that. And when they and he say was, he was the famous cock, remember? Famous yep. cock. When they say Earth is the least civilized planet in the galaxy, <laughs> it is our basic human right to be fuck ups. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the uh, the Republican Trump supporter mantra. Exactly. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Well, and, once we find out, uh, Steve survived, and uh, the the um, network gets through its whole big speech about why they're taking over Earth and things like that. Gary just comes out and says, we are the human race, and we don't like being told what to do. You are revolting against mm-hmm. the will of countless solar systems. Yeah, we are revolting. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Republican Trump supporting mantra. <laughs> but to not get too political, uh, all robots are shut down. Um, I that he's like, so what do you want us to do? We just want to have a good time. Man. Really? Oh fuck it! <laughs> yeah, I love, I love the banter between the network and 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 uh, and Gary. It's great. Yeah. You just go, ah, oh, fuck. Great exchanges. Yeah. It felt like something on, like, The Simpsons or South Park. It was yes. great. Yeah, so anyway, um, basically all the robots are shut down. The network takes off, um, and the guys come out of the uh, the world's end, and um, the two guys... Oh, the two guys that they had met at... Um, when they were talking to Reverend Green, uh, when... They're down talking to the network. They go, is there anybody left here? And these two guys step out. They're like, oh, that's us. And uh, <laughs> as they're leaving the world's end, they're like, great. Just great. You went and ruined it all for us. You know, they we had everything taken care of. Da, 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 da. And so it seemed like they were happy with the network. And mm-hmm. uh, as per Edgar Wright, we got a seatbelt action shot because well, Sam shows up. Sorry? I said love it. I love the yeah. seatbelt shot. Yeah. We got a seatbelt action shot and uh Total a total trademark of the Cornetto trilogy. Yes. Um and so she starts busting out of uh Newton Heights and um she comes up to the UK's first roundabout and she's like, What should I do? Because it's right in the middle. She doesn't know if she should go right or left, and they just say punch it and she goes straight <laughs> through the roundabout which yes right 
Oh my god, there's been so many times I wanted to go straight through the roundabout and buy my house. <laughs> so there's like, there's just... one near me that actually has a pass-through road in the center what? because they made the roundabout too small for fire trucks and 18-wheelers. <laughs> so they're allowed to go through the center, and I've always wanted to just floor it through it, like, someday. Hell, yeah. Yeah. Like, that sounds amazing, because people do not know how to use yield signs. Nope. No. So anyway, the outcome of this is the lights went out on Earth, wiped out all of technology. Um, basically, the survivors had to start over again. Um, Sam and Steven got together. Um, Andy is telling the story about how, you know, basically they had to start Earth from scratch again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's this... And go, and go all organic and avoid processed food. And here we see the tie-in to the Cornetto trilogy, the green wrapper. Yep, there's a Cornetto wrapper that gets yep. stuck on the fence that Andy is leaning against. Mm -hmm. And he stares at it longingly as it flies away. So it flies oh. away. And now, so the, the, the Cornetto trilogy, so Cornetto ice cream is popular in the UK, and the Cornetto trilogy consists of Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, and they each have a different color uh, ice cream t uh, within them to kind of uh, 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 sync with a theme of each movie. And this one, it was green, which is uh, Little Green Men. Yep. Ah. yep. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, going, going back to the ending real quick, uh, the Blanks actually wound up waking up um, and, you know, O-Man goes and goes back to being a realtor with, like, a weird bandaged head. It's a soccer and... ball. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, it's a soccer ball. I always I thought, thought that. I was thought it was bandaged. I thought it was bandaged. Oh, that, that's even better. And were the eyes like drawn on? It looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah they totally were. <laughs> and the the couple, the couple that he was showing the house to there were the same couple that Gary scared off at the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, um, nice touch. And we we see Gary is leading the band of blanks that are him and his friends as teenagers mm -hmm. and um, basically going around and writing kind of injustice where people have put up signs like no blanks allowed and things like that. And basically trying to defeat segregation. Yeah. Yeah. And equality for everyone. And Gary has found a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and I love the um, like I had said earlier the the water bit when Andy tells him you know the most the strongest thing you can do is walking into a pub with all those eyes looking at you and ordering a water and that's exactly what Gary does he walks in and does the same line you know about you are the first ones to give us refreshment on our journey and yada yada and he says you I have can give the you privilege yes the privilege. Mm -hmm. I can give you a water, but I can't give your friends. And he says, well, that's going to be a problem. And well, who are you? They call me the king. <laughs> and I love that. Yes. So that's, uh, that's the world's end. And that yes, was an the world's end. Past. It was. Mm -hmm. really so, um, what, what do we, do we have some MVPs on this guy? I would say my MVP would be Sam. 
Because she, she, you know, she told, uh, you know, she kind of told Gary what was what to put him in his place when he needed to. And she showed up at the end and saved everyone. A part of me wishes Sam and Gary would have ended up together, but I'm fine. I'm fine without that. No. Or not, or not. <laughs> no, it's an no. interesting, you know, because I get it. It kind of, it's interesting that um, that Edgar Wright seems to have, you know, fractured, weird relationships in a lot of his movies. Like, you know, we, we have the, the Knives Chow and Ramona thing and who should Scott Pilgrim end up with. And mm-hmm. the real answer is none of them because Scott's a piece of shit. But that's right. completely <laughs> um, But, uh, you know, in this movie, um, you know, it's the idea of... Uh, Sam needing to be there. If 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 Sam and Andy didn't show up to this night again, Gary would not have made it. No. Do you know what I mean? No. Like he needed both of them to kind of put him in his place and call him out. Yeah. Because Sam was his tie back to, well, I can just kind of go around and screw anything I want and it's going to be great and I can conquer that same thing again. And she put him in his place but also empowered him. She mm-hmm. she didn't like tell him he was a piece of shit. She said, get better. You can yes. get better. And Andy did the same thing. And he and even did the, well, if this is what you want. And then Andy stood there with him at the end of the world, you know, and, and knew that, you know, Gary had changed. And, and it's it's just a really interesting thing. So I think Sam works perfectly for an MVP. Um, what about you, Jess? Uh, I think Basil is my MVP. Basil! Like, if it weren't for him explaining everything, they would still be running around with their heads up their butts, not knowing what they're dealing with. You gotta trust the conspiracy theorist. Right? That's true. <laughs> he reminded me, Basil reminded me of this guy that I was like, um, when I was, uh, when I was in Europe, they just walked up to my friend and I and we were eating at McDonald's and he was like, he he heard we were Americans and he just was going on about nine eleven conspiracy theories and I'm just like, Yep, that's nice. That's nice. Go away. <laughs> my my MVP um is Hey, he just might save your life. Exactly. Yeah. My, my MVP is, is a character in the movie and also a, a a part of the film. Um and my character is Simon Pegg and I know that that's God, we just gushed about Simon Pegg for the entire thing here, but he is such a likable person as an actor and everyone he plays is always so like Sean, Sean is a flawed person, but Sean's someone you could see yourself being friends with. And his character in hot fuzz is a flawed, but like fun loving guy that just, you know, he seems like he'd be a blast and fun. Gary King is not a person that you want to like. No. And Simon Pegg earns you liking him by the end of the movie. He's just so he plays him so perfectly and makes him dark when he needs to be. Yeah. And it's the emotional centerpiece of the whole film. And the ensemble is perfect, but it doesn't work if Simon Pegg's character doesn't function right. And he was perfect. Um, yeah. Um, my I, my I, other. Oh, sorry, Jess. Go ahead. I just wanted to comment real quick. It was nice to see uh, the roles reversed between Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. Yes. Um, in in the first and second one, Simon Pegg plays, you know, a more straight-laced character and has to do what's right and da-da-da-da. And, you know, Nick Frost is more of the goofy guy, fuck-up, whatever. So it was kind of nice to see the roles reversed in... Um, in the world's end. Yes. And Definitely. of course, and my, my other MVP is whoever was in charge of the budget on this film. 
because it all ended up on screen. I don't know if you yeah. guys this before now, but this movie cost twenty million dollars. Yep. This wow. film that we just watched. And again, this isn't, you know, Titanic or a Star Wars movie, but in comparison, the watch, which is not a bad looking film either, cost no. sixty eight million dollars. A lot of that well, was um actor salaries for sure. Of course. But mm-hmm. I mean well, that and in comparison, um, you know, you had a lot of brand names yes. um, buying mm-hmm. in. You had, you know, full-on creatures that you had to um, computer-generate and automate. And, you know, um, they had actual, you know, aliens. And so, you know, you you basically had to work with these other creatures and not just oh, humans. It's just, I just like seeing a movie that can be, uh, you know, I, we can get into what we think of each of them, but it's just, it's amazing sometimes when I wouldn't have put these movies too far off in budget if they were both American films. Yeah. Just because, you know, you put the same cast in uh, World's End and, you know, it, it would probably end up costing about the same, I guess, but I don't know. There's just something it, Doug Jones is great as that alien, but also yeah. when there's a lot of aliens on the screen in the watch, they're digital, like you said. Yep. Um, but here, there's just something about the clever use of practical and minimal computer effects to do the like arm arms for a feet for arms, you know, and just it's just so clever. And the and the way that um, Edgar Wright cuts, like the edits and things, just made those scenes. And I just thought that that would be a, a fun MVP for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stefan, what did the critics think of this guy? So, um, the as per Rotten Tomatoes, the critical score for critics is 89%, so really high, and audience is 71%, again, pretty high. Uh, really, really blows uh, the watch out of the water, and um, I think our, our poll definitely illustrated that, right, Jess? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, uh, let me get this info up right here. I did uh, change our um, social media um, photo. So it's our new photo of the trio. Looks awesome. great. Looks great. Yes. Um, I'm getting down to, yes, our... <laughs> The beginning of Creature Feature Month, and which movie did you like better? The World's End got a whopping 94.1%, and The Watch got a dismal 5.9%. <laughs> Can I ask a question? Votes. Were, were you the only vote for The Watch? Probably. <laughs> you know, it, nice. it's, it's interesting to me. Um, you know, we, we talked about this with the watch a little bit, I really am surprised the watches ratings are as low as they are again. It's, Me too. It, it's no classic of, you know, whatever. But I remember when that came out, lots of people talking about it, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember the world's end being like the Edgar Wright. It, the world's end is my favorite Edgar Wright movie Th- that and Scott Pilgrim. It's a weird toss up between them, but mm-hmm. I, I remember. What was that? 
Mine is hot fuzz. Yeah, they're all they're all so close. Um, uh, and and I agree that I just love them all. But like I remember a lot of my friends that were huge Edgar Wright fans not liking this one. And yeah. I think it's because it's a little too real. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. And that, that that's definitely alluded to in the audience score, where you know the the seventy one percent is people kind of going, "This makes me uncomfortable." Mm-hmm. <laughs> what what does everybody think? I mean, I I still found for for watching the watch the first time, um, you know, I found the watch to be actually a lot of fun, even though it's kind of you know all over the place, and you know the 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 darker edgier humor didn't fit as well with like the kind of the dopey men in black thing they had going on. But, um, I mean, it, it was no contest for me against the world's end. You, you were going to have to have made, you know, a movie that just blew me through the roof, but I still found the watch really enjoyable and I'm glad we get to watch them both. What about you guys? I, uh, I second that, um, the world's end to me, is just like, it, it, it's, it's Edgar Wright. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Uh, yeah, the world's end to me just was, you know, it, it just has that style, his directorial style that I love. Uh, and that's not to say the watch isn't also a lot of fun. Like I said, it's certainly better than the score that it received on um, as on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I wonder if the watch, you know, was maybe bare because we we mentioned how the title was switched after the Trayvon Martin shooting and i wonder if maybe that had something to do with it like it was kind of you know like uh disparaged or something like that no interesting maybe point. some stuff held back or something yeah okay yeah what about um, you jess well as i said my favorite in the cornetto trilogy is um hot fuzz i do like ah. the world and i I actually used to do movie nights and tried to put a surprise alien movie night together with these two, and uh, nobody showed up to watch them. What? Oh, that would have been awesome. Yeah, so, you know, I I had to do this pick with some serious movie lovers, because I know y'all would enjoy it, and I'm super excited that, you know, I got to to pick you know both the movies this time usually it's more of a collab um but i just i i love the cornetto trilogy i i I just i i have a weird special place in my heart for the watch it's just like this ridiculous fun stupid movie yeah Mm. agreed agreed I'm, i'm really happy i finally saw it yeah i yeah i'm glad i I'm glad I finally saw it and didn't mix it up with Paul anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I do have that one as well, though. Imagine, like, a weird mashup of those two. Yikes. Yeah. I wonder if Paul would, like, step in and fight against, you know, the Doug Jones aliens. <laughs> no. Or if or if Paul sounded just like Paul, but looked like the Doug Jones alien. <laughs> I think that'd be pretty weird. I'm picturing that now. Yeah. As of recording this, we have some exciting things going on. Um, Jess or Stefan, or if you guys want to take, you know, Stefan talk about where we can be found, and Jess talk about the Patreon. However, you guys want to do it, but let's tell people exciting news. Well, we can be found uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're still working on Apple, but that's always a longer process. Uh, it's been. A success, and we are on Apple. <gasps> Yay! Woohoo! 
Yes. That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah, give give us a give us a like and review. It'll help spread us around. Yep. And um, if you have a specific platform that you don't hear us on, shoot a, shoot us a message, and we'll do our best. Absolutely. Um, and we are on Patreon. Um, we do have three tiers. We've got our featherweight, lightweight, and welterweight. Featherweight for $1 a month, you do get a sneak peek into the new shows and content. Um, so we drop that on Tuesday, and then we do the actual show with ads on Thursdays. Uh, if you want to join the lightweight tier for $5 per month, you do get that extra sneak peek of shows and content. You do get a Patreon-only uh, access to behind-the-scenes content, and you do get a Patreon shout-out. Um, and we are doing first names only, and that's whatever you decide to go by. Your given name, your chosen name, your gaming handle, whatever you want to call yourself. And last but not least, for now, is we've got our welterweight tier at $10 per month. And you get all the things uh, that go along with the first two tiers, along with ba -ba -ba -ba, an episode theme choice. So you choose the theme, we'll choose the movies, and we'll have a lot of fun with it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, guys, it... Or folks, as it were. These are not just guys. Chris, you need to correct yourself on that. Y'all, um, y'all, 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 my friends, dudes, dudettes, you know, however we go. Um, <laughs> it's been a blast. Uh, thank you both for always just having a blast talking about films. I think The Watch and The World's End was a great matchup. And Jess, thank you for suggesting it. Um, and uh, until next time, everybody, just keep those films fighting. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>